Hey folks, NBZ here. Just wanted to do a quick reminder at the top of the show that we still have our survey going on.、Um, so if you have the time, five minutes or so, to go and give it a look and、uh, just write out your thoughts on the podcast, that would be fantastic. It is linked in the description. So just go on over and check it out. All right, on with the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this Nintendo Life episode 168. My name is NBZ, and、uh, I don't think I've been outside for a day, which is quite good actually. You know, I went for a walk yesterday. I've definitely here's the irony, Bali, with this entire situation, is I go outside more than I usually <laughs> do. Uh, ironically,、um, which is just you know, it's just I'm a hobbit, right? I live in my <laughs> hobbit hole, and I never clean myself, and I'm just like a little gremlin rat.、Uh, so ironically, I am I'm going out more than usual.、Um, it's a good time. I really enjoy going for a walk and listening to books. I'm obviously I'm going through the Wheel of Time series, and、uh, and just like listening. Oh, you're audiobooking that? I thought you. Yeah, a, a little bit、really? sometimes. So I've got it on Kindle and on audiobook. So I. I listen at like one point six times speed、oh. as I walk, and I get through a couple Th- of chapters. Does that link、good. up through an Amazon account? No,、um, okay, it doesn't. Well, I mean, you can do that, but I don't have it set、right. up that way.、Um, but you, I think you can do that.、Um, I usually just stop at the end of a chapter, and then I can just find it on my Kindle yeah, and go sure, through the chapter、right. if I want to. You know,、cool. it's easy enough. But、uh, but yeah, that's,、uh, that's what I've been doing. Time、um, going well. It's going well. It's going well.、You're、I am almost ten or something. I'm on book ten. You're right. Well done, Bally. Wow, yeah, keeping track. Fully、uh, onto it. I, Is that the final one? No, there's fourteen books. Okay.、Um, so I'm at the end of the slog, the quote-unquote slog of the Wheel of Time, which is basically books seven through ten, where nothing really happens of major interest. That's a lot、um, of books. <laughs> it is, yeah. But like. I'm committed, and I know that the, the people have told me the payoff at the end is well worth it. And I have I've come this far, so you know I'm going to keep going.、Um, anyway, this is a Nintendo show where we talk about video games, not fantasy books. I'm NBZ, as I said. I'm joined by Bali. How are you doing, Bali? I'm doing well. I've I've not been outside a ton.、Um, I find like it just gets very all the like running routes, walking routes, they just get really busy, and then you have to get up really early or go walking late at night. And I don't really. And it's like, like this kind of game of dodgems where everyone's like trying to sidle、oh, each other、yeah. and like you walk off the path on the yeah, road.、Uh, it's a weird. Like society has become really weird. Yeah, just very strange. And I wish I was a little more close to like larger. Like there are green, large green spaces near us, but like. Sort of more large green spaces that there are a little bit、yeah. further outside Edinburgh. So yeah, I yeah, get what you mean. That's not great, but、uh, we're pretty lucky in that we're very close to the sea, so we can walk by that and or the water. Call it the yeah, sea, and there's but, a few know, parks and yeah.、Um, we literally have a park opposite our house, so that's very convenient. Caroline likes to run around Arthur's Seat. Oh, very good. Yeah, that's a, that's a good. nice one. But again, like it's just a really busy running route. So sure,、yeah. that makes sense. Cool.、Mm. Um, Well,、uh, we have continued to keep ourselves occupied、uh, during everything going on、uh, with video games, and that's what we're going to be talking about with you all, fine folks, today. So, Bali, do you want to lay out the show? Three segment show today. First segment, we're going to be talking about the games that we have been playing. The second segment, we've got some emails, and the third segment, we're going to chat a little bit about Breath of the Wild Two. We know it's a long way out, but we just kind of want to talk a bit about 
what we hope for and would like to see with that game. Maybe could do a few predictions, some hopes, sure. a bit of a combination, a little bit of a chat about that game. So a, bet, a betting segment, I don't know. Um, hope, hopes and dreams. Uh, yeah, just uh, what, what we want that game to be. That's fun. And when um, we want, when we want it to be. Well, yeah, that's going to change uh, a lot, <laughs> definitely. Uh, well, that's uh, all good and fantastic. Let's kick things off then with video games. Um, everyone's still playing Animal Crossing Bally. It just doesn't stop, does it? Like, it's one of those games that we just keep going with and uh, and things have been happening. And Nintendo actually released a bit of an update. Um, they put out a video where they're like, hey, here's some new stuff coming to Animal Crossing, which uh, is pretty cool. Um, I, I think that the way they have handled the kind of games-as-a-service nature of this entry has been far better than they've done with a lot of uh, kind of games that they've put out uh, in recent times. And, and maybe to some degree you can argue that Animal Crossing just lends itself to this type of um, rollout much, just because so. it's about playing through the whole year and there's events that happen throughout the year. So you've got to have May Day and you've got to have a, a National Earth Day. Is, is that what it's called? I don't know. With like leaf. Nature Day, Earth Day. Nature well, Day, Earth Day. The, the, the real world one is called Earth Day and that was... Um that was like a couple of days ago and i think that's when that nature day started so i think it was tied into that i guess it's like Um, bunny day not being officially easter it's like nintendo's kind of knockoff branded you know versions of the actual holiday um that they put into animal crossing so as not to offend people and things like that um which fair enough and uh and yeah quite a few things that are coming uh red has been added to the game i just had a quick chat with red before we started recording and bought a very dubious painting off of him which i'm gonna go and give to blathers um improve the museum the museum gets expanded to have all those artwork pieces Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. added to it um a few more things as well the the biggest one i was watching this trailer and i think a lot of people said this but the one which where i was like oh shit was when i saw bushes and that's just very funny to me that like (laughs) the thing with animal crossing that makes me the most excited is just like here's a nice like hedgerow or like bushes to make my town look a bit nicer um i don't know it's very weird because people get hyped up about like crazy shit and trailers and things like that and that equivalent for animal crossing was like terraforming before the game came out and now bushes and it's like why are people excited about this but it's just it's great other games it's like this is a whole other chapter of dlc but animal crossing pushes there we go exactly exactly Uh, yeah it's great i've been checking back in i've finished sort of my terraforming project which kind of enveloped two-thirds of my town more or less and now i'm just kind of thinking about what trees what bushes what i want to do with the area i've kind of like i got rid of that crappy bunny room in my house and like changed it into this kind of relaxing bath spa kind of zen room. spa room zen yeah. spa with like it's got like a little tea set and like a little cushion to sit on and like got some fragrant sticks in there you know incense sticks even um, though even though you can't smell it you know the the vibe is there but just having like running water in your house without any music going it's the sound is incredible like it just sounds so soothing so relaxing to nice. actually just sit in there and do that stuff so yeah we need to do like a big furniture like crossover where we just order yes. loads of furniture for each other and uh play with that because i've got another couple of rooms i have no idea what i want to do with really so yeah there's a lot to play with i i have a piece of furniture i think you'll want uh it's similar to your sofa at home uh you like ah, your kind of an l-shaped um, sofa l-shaped it's not quite an l-shaped it's a box corner sofa which ah. i think you can attach to other corners and then make it like a little bit more extended Very and things cool. like that yeah because um, i think i want to make kind of like 
an arcade style games room, living room, TV yeah. room, kind of un- downstairs in the basement. With like, like pinball real... machines and arcade pinball machines. Pinball machines, stuff yeah, like just fun things to do and hang out, play some video games. Um, maybe put the switches down there, I guess, because I've got now the, the Animal Crossing themed one and the yeah. regular themed one. I've got currently, I've got them on either side of my bed, which I think is just like overkill. So, yeah, a little yeah. bit, a little bit. Um, that's cool i yeah i definitely want to make like a kitchenette slash living area like in my upstairs room because the upstairs and downstairs are both wider and longer and they both kind of fit that vibe of like a large living space which i think kind of a shared kitchen i've seen some incredible kitchens online oh yeah because all the stuff you can hang on the walls just makes it feel so much more real like it's that is definitely the thing that has changed up my um kind of appreciation for home decorating is just having the wall stuff it just it gives it so much more life and feels like a more lived in space you know yeah um, which which is very very cool you're on that's, top of bugs good. and fish for this season yeah i haven't like i've done a couple of times where i'm doing a check-in of like oh i need to go get the turtle in the river that only spawns after 9 p.m and there are a couple of pond fish that i, I went after but i need to do a i need to do a proper check because we're getting close to the end of april and i don't know if there's anything leaving in april that i'm not going to be able to get there's only four things leaving in april i believe okay and they were stuff like i think the hardest one to get leaving in april is like a tuna okay i got a tuna at the end of march so i think the rest are there for most of summer honestly but um that's good to hear because yeah. um, i'm waiting on those sharks man i just want to summer season is shark season and that's where people just go crazy um fishing which is is going to be a lot of fun but i think now we've both like kind of played the stork market right like we've had our fun and i yes. feel like i'm about to retire from the stork market um you know uh we've had some very good hookups recently Nick, uh, my friend Superblar from Pokemon Days, has had some stupid luck where two weeks in a row he's had spikes of over 600 bells on his island. And because of all the people bringing him money, he now has 100 million bells in his account. Which I'm just like, Nick, it's the most overkill of all time. You don't need that. Because much the rest money. of his town, because he got the game a little bit late, like, yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of development. But no, it's just, it just like a very, it looks like a very, like, impoverished town, right? Like, he hasn't done anything to it um but and yeah it's just like he is fucking rolling in bells and like someone gave him that transformers robot he just someone just gave him the entire robot i I was gonna say i was like he crafted it but yeah i guess someone could just give it yeah he told me i was i was talking to him and he was like nah i i was like did you just get all the ingredients to make it because people are dropping you gold nuggets and rusted parts and he's like nope someone just dropped me the entire robot and i was like okay cool like there is a benefit to having a high price in your town because you can just get people to give you a bunch of shit essentially um as a tip for going to the town um you know so in any case i'm sitting on like 4.7 million bells in my bank and my current fruit setup allows me to make probably 250,000 uh every four days from fruit wow so, that's a lot yeah I've, I've chopped down a lot of my fruit trees and my bank right. is, is feeling that but uh, i should get yeah. some more up and get kind of get them put in orchards i guess exactly yeah um and uh and i've i've got i think seven eight bridges at this point almost eight i've got one one more planned bridge to do for my main kind of circle river area and then i'm 
going to start expanding out because a lot of my island as you know the reason i'm making so much money from fruit is a lot of my island is just like fucking trees everywhere of just pouring of oranges and cherries and you're going to want to clear those out at some point i know i will i will and at this point like i kind of have enough money to where i don't need to care about money anymore i might do one more stock market uh dive in because there's a nook miles achievement for making 10 million off the stock market and my current um number is 8.8 million i've made so I can do that this week. I Probably I can make over a million. Honestly, um, the easiest way to make money if you're just checking in every day without much effort is to plant your tree with 10 grand. That'll I think you get one a day and then also find like the eight to 10 grand you get out of a rock every day. If you do that every day, you're more or less making 40 grand a day through almost zero effort. Yeah, that's like three minutes maybe of total time. Maybe more because you have to find the you money have to rock. Find you have it to... and, yeah hunt for it a little bit i have destroyed a few rocks that have been in my way and have been annoying and they respawn in different places but for the most part everything is looking good um and i've been enjoying animal crossing a lot more bali for a very specific reason um because okay so here's the thing i joy cons are the worst controller nintendo have ever made not in the fact that they are uncomfortable or they are unwieldy they're the uh, best and the worst you could you could argue that like yeah if you turn them on their side that still it's a terrible thing how to play you know but it's it's fun if you have people near you and you want to do a quick co-op like contra or some shit like that sure that's fun um but the internals of the Joy-Con are just fucked up, man. Like, from day one, my Joy-Con had the issue where, remember, people had to send it in and, like, get foam installed into it to stop the wireless signal being interrupted uh, because if you held it behind your back and it would kind of lose a bit of connection. There were a couple of times, like, early on, the first few days of owning the Switch, where Link just kind of walked of his own volition in Breath of the Wild, and I didn't really think much of it because, for the most part, I was playing right next to my Switch, so I didn't have that issue. And so that was an issue, but also every launch switch, and I think a lot of Joy-Cons that they still sell to this day have the problem where the stick on the Joy-Con wears down and eventually you get Joy-Con drift, um, which had happened to me probably about a year and a half ago. Uh, It started, right, of like my left Joy-Con being a bit wobbly. And then eventually, I think maybe a few months ago, my right Joy-Con started doing the same thing. And... So I have two Joy-Cons, which basically don't function properly and want to always point upwards or point downwards or point in some direction. And let me tell you, trying to play Animal Crossing and terraforming these precise little areas and doing it step by step... It's very precise, isn't it? It's very easy to do... I, even my Joy-Cons, which are near new, but like a year old now at this point, and they are... Um even then like you just have to be so precise to hit like hit the right spot to terraform yes and it was driving me fucking crazy i was just ah <laughs> uh, it was just the worst and you wouldn't think animal cross like you i remember you were playing cuphead in japan when you got your right. new ones and like that's understandable cuphead <laughs> a platforming game very hard you wouldn't think the thing that broke the camel's back would be fucking animal crossing but it was um so I was talking to you, I was always talking to you about how I hate how expensive these things are and Nintendo aren't going to beat me and fuck Nintendo for charging 70 quid for Joy-Cons. I, don't, I didn't know how you were going to win in this situation. No. I, I couldn't work it out. There was no way for me to win, Bali. There was only losing in this scenario. <laughs> um, so I was looking at a bunch of them. I looked at the Damon X Machina ones, you know, the giant kind of con- more like traditional controller style ones, which are really bulky and they 
they have more of a grip to them uh, on the sides but mm-hmm. looking into those even though they got good reviews they don't have rumble in them and like rumble is such a core part of the experience for me i really like rumble and especially in animal crossing when you're fishing or when you're doing anything like it's very important to have that there for me uh so eventually i was like you know what fuck it i'm just gonna find the stupidest colors i can find and buy those instead so i bought new joy cons i bought the the weird like purple and yellow ones that they seem a different color in light and in dark almost like the brightness on them or like the depth of their color is really weird and they also i don't know if your ones feel like this but feeling the um the plastic on them is not really it there's a weird kind of not dryness but almost not it's as more smooth. of a matte finish than it's a shiny more of a matte, finish yeah. yeah it's not as smooth as the gray joy cons i had at launch and i don't know if your neon ones were more smooth as well um, i think that um they did feel slightly rougher but i think it might just have been because they were newer and the old ones had worn out a bit just from my hands like they can just get that that matte sheen kind of comes off a bit to the point where it feels a bit shinier if that makes sense right yeah um that makes sense and uh and i think that now i have uh, you know now that this has happened i'm coming to these revelations about like i had been adjusting my play of animal crossing to account for me moving constantly and so i still find myself like muscle memory like auto adjusting even though i don't need to anymore because my character will just stay in place and not move um but like it's broken me right it's really broken the way i play video games um and it's it's fucked up man it's fucked up so gg nintendo you won you beat me um and let's see how many years these last before they fucking break again because i just i literally don't understand how how they have made such a faulty product it it baffles me and it's still annoys me tremendously um the nintendo can make something as good as the switch and and yet just fuck up on the hardware side for their controllers which they never have done in the past they have never like nintendo all the companies have the most rock solid hardware out there and the switch is just like it's not up to their standard of quality i swore like um companies like nintendo they'd essentially get a robot that would mash the analog stick around for like a given amount of time and they would run tests on like one hour versus two hours versus three hours and then they just you know like testing the springs testing this sort of thing or dropping game boys from like three stories up heights exactly like they cannot have had one of those robots testing out the analog sticks on the switch without this surely happening on a given number or maybe the ones they tested on were not it's like could be like a factory default or something like it's not intrinsic to the designed unanimously but it does feel yeah. that way i mean it is like the fastest turnaround nintendo have had on a home console because the wii u like out the gate pe- people knew right they're gonna have to start working on a new thing real fast because their ship was sinking they needed a new product and um and switch came out far i guess it was technically five years after wii u maybe less it's more like four years four and a bit because wii u was end of 2012 um versus like the start of 2017 so Mm. it was it was a little bit shorter than the usual cycle is for game consoles which probably means that r&d just wasn't didn't have as much time to uh iron out some of the issues that they had but um anyway now i am trying to be as very careful as possible with my joy cons and just make sure they last how how are you careful with a joy con though like how how do you make sure you don't i don't know just drift just like be gentle with it 
<laughs> I have no idea. Don't play Smash Brothers, basically. Don't Smash don't Brothers, do like yes. the 3DS thing where people broke their fucking circle oh, badge playing yes, Smash Brothers. Ah, yes. oh, terrible god. Just be glad it happened on a standard Joy-Con and not on like a Switch Lite. Exactly. Cool. And uh, speaking of updates that Nintendo have done to their video games, they uh, they also dropped the quote-unquote final update for Mario Maker 2, a game that Nintendo has done fucking dirty, in my mind. I'm so glad they finally added new game styles. Yeah, no, that was exactly what everyone wanted. Um, that plural that everyone was speculating detective work on, that worked out. Uh, definitely we got some new game styles coming to the game. And some new themes for the Switch yeah absolutely yeah lovely uh black and white uh finally a thing of the past you can do a samus switch now of course um that would be a fantasy land that we would live in if nintendo were to do any of those things uh because yeah i like talking about animal crossing and how good they've been at updating that game and even some of their other games like splatoon they did a great job after launch of like all the splatfest and all that stuff mario maker was just like it was this weird situation where they kind of did fucking nothing like they they launched the game without the multiplayer and then that came in in an update then randomly in like december i think they put out the link update and then now they just put out this huge update with so many different things without like staggering them out like releasing them piece by piece like getting people to stay interested in mario maker Mm. and i was listening to someone on a podcast talk about this but like if you just look at the numbers the story would be mario maker switch is more successful than on wii u because the wii u version sold four million and the switch version sold five million which to be fair that's kind of a huge disappointment when you think about like the the gap between mario kart 8 deluxe and mario kart 8 you know switch versions of these wii u games tend to do tremendously better and yet only five million versus four million seems pretty weak for mario maker Mm. standpoint but the other part of the story is like the original Mario Maker had a much longer tail to it. The community lasted for a, a bigger t- amount of time. People were into that game for so much longer. And it feels like just people fell off a cliff with Mario Maker 2. It just kind of... Th- everything about it dissipated and disappeared. Um, and it's, it's that is squarely on Nintendo's shoulders for doing such a poor job at updating that game consistently. And, and not only have they been slow with these updates, and to be fair, most of them have been really cool when they come in. I think this most recent one is probably the best considerably. Like, it's, there's a lot of cool stuff there. But yeah. they've never improved any of the quality of the life as- aspects to this game. Like, there's still some really clunky stuff in there when you just want to go in there, find a level, find a world, find whatever... Uh, or see the other levels that same creators made like it's just very clunky in entering these codes it's 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 not great yeah absolutely um and you know it's kind of one of those things that at this point they did the final this is called the final update so they're not going to be doing anything more to the game so we kind of have to live with what we have uh but that said it did reinvigorate me in the sense that i saw a bunch of these things in the trailer and i was like oh shit these look like a lot of fun to play around with um and the one that really spoke to me was the bullet bill cap that you get in 3d world really cool Um, that one was like oh shit i have to make a level based around this and so i proceeded to spend three days after the mario maker update came out just like binging level design essentially and i was like right i'm gonna make because the 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 worlds got added right so they added worlds to the game so now you can string levels together in your own world you can design the overworld which is really cool uh you can pick from different themes whether it's like desert or sky or grass or whatever um and you can can you pick between games for the overworld 
No, I believe that Overworld is always going to be in that Mario World style. Okay, I was wondering. Um, right. It's always going to have that art style regardless. And I think that's mainly because that's the most famous Overworld of all the Mario games. And the one that probably looks the nicest, right, is the Mario World uh, edition of it. Yeah. And, um, and I'm fine with that. I think it, it, it works perfectly well. Uh, so it was cool to go in there and like add some mushroom houses, add like branching paths, and and choose kind of this is the route that people are going to take to get to the castle at the end. And so you can have a maximum of five levels, uh, four levels just in the overworld, and then one level that's the final castle level. And my idea was basically, hey, there's a bunch of new things in this game. I want to make a world that builds around all these new ideas. So the 3D world palette was perfect for it because they added five new hats essentially five kind of blocks that you can put on mario's head and it changes the power up to something unique like the bullet bill one where you kind of you float uh, or it's like a jetpack almost it's like a sideways jetpack where you hover over the ground and it runs out eventually like it sputters out so you need to reset it by landing on the ground and then that's kind of, quite a long time though doesn't it yeah it really does it lasts a good amount of time um and so there's one with a cannonball head where mario can shoot cannonballs but if he holds down the button it shoots them further um there's one which is a helicopter head which is similar to the helicopter power up in new super mario brothers yeah. I, I remember i made a, a level like that on the original mario maker that used that suit i don't think they actually have it in 3d world i, th- I think like no new to this game yes uh well i think the helicopter head might be used in 3d land maybe that might be a power up from that game yeah, um maybe potentially i don't remember but uh but that one has three uses and then it kind of disappears but also you can drill down to the ground to like control your downways momentum so that was an interesting thing i wanted to play with and uh and then we have the goomba hat as well which is a fun one you put on a goomba and any enemies won't attack you they'll just believe you're a goomba it's kind of like the masks in breath of the wild where you put on the lionel right. mask and like slowly walk up to a lionel and it doesn't attack you because it kind of thinks you're a lionel um and and the bokoblin hats and all that stuff that you could get which is a really neat idea um so basically i took all these ideas for all these different hats and i made one level based around each of the four of them and then the final level introduced the last hat uh, at the beginning and then the middle of that final level was much harder challenges with all four of the hats and then the end of it introduced that final hat again with a bit more of a interesting challenge to it um and it just worked really well as a coherent like okay i'm gonna make an easy first level that builds these ideas then it just keeps hopefully the difficulty like worked out that it it got a little bit trickier over time but still was like teaching you about these new mechanics as you went through it and then the final level was here's the challenge put all you've learned together and kind of complete it all in one um and i just had a great time just coming up with ideas i was like going to sleep and being like oh shit tomorrow i need to do this and i need to add this part to it there was one section in the uh the helicopter box level i made which was inspired by ori which was like just this big open space with spikes everywhere and like you have to float around it to get coins there's four different coins and it was inspired by ori it does it in blind forest and in will the wisps where you use the feather kind of hover yeah i didn't notice that at the time but you're right yep um so so that was very ori inspired in terms of like collecting these little things around this very dangerous area without getting hit um which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, and, and I liked a lot of those little areas that I designed. It it just got my juices flowing again. I was just very excited to get back into making Mario Maker. Yeah. 
that feeling with Mario Maker when your juices are going, and I've not de- I've not jumped back into any of the design creating stuff again. I, I did play your world and I loved it, but the ju- when your juices are going with Mario Maker, that there's almost nothing like it. Like it is just, and you've been much better at getting back into that mode and doing more levels. And I find it's I don't know I, I find it harder to just click my fingers and get back into that mode. Like it, it need, I'm kind of too busy with other things right now to kind of go back into that because as you said like it often is like a 10 15 hour hole that like oh yeah either you're in that hole or you're not and i kind of i've fallen into that hole a couple of times making other levels before and it's like it's very unique um i think the thing i really like about the world does the setup of having worlds now instead of just levels is it gave me this excuse to be like well i don't need to make i don't need to use every single square inch of both of these sub areas and main area because in the past i've made mario maker levels that are so fucking long and take up every single possible part of the level and I, i was like no i just need to make like here's a shorter intro level like don't don't like uh, be okay abandoning it early right like be okay just doing a few little challenges and being done with it because what you don't realize is actually you're much better at your level than anyone else will be when they start it because you know exactly what to do and so you have to take into account it will take longer for these other people to play it because they're learning as they go and they're kind of figuring out as they go and they won't know the exact timing of jumps and they won't know all this stuff so it's better to have more restraint and the thing that helps with that is because I'm making five levels and I have this grand plan for five levels, I'm not just putting all my energy into this one level and then I feel exhausted because I've just yeah. used all my ideas in one place, right? And you did well to keep them all like similar lengths and they, they are, I do think they are similar difficulties. Maybe the last few are a little bit harder. Um, right. But yeah, some really impressive ideas in there, especially like the one where you, you've got the head on where you, you can shoot um, balls essentially. Yes, and yeah there's like i can't remember what you call the name of the enemy it's like the it's like a charging bull guy who you have to you have to like knock him off the thing in mario 64 right right and and you put him on an angled staircase which meant that he was going up and down the stair and then across just a a little gap across from him and the gap's important because i followed that there's a two tubes see-through tubes from 3d world that yep. you have to shoot your your balls into that then attack him around the corner and yep. i put myself into those tubes and then i kept dying i'm like well what am i meant to do here and i realized yep. oh wait of course i'm meant to shoot the balls into the tubes to attack him and then you had to estimate the height at which he was on like his staircase in order to d- go into one of the two pipes like that was very impressive like and there was a lot of stuff like that yes that was one of my favorite ideas i came up with because i wanted I, I realized that early on in that level, if you shoot the cannonball through a pipe, it doesn't break bricks. Um, you can break bricks in front of a pipe, but if you shoot a bullet through the pipe, it won't break bricks on the other side. So I kind of wanted to do a thing where I opened up a thing, but I was like, oh, wait, I can shoot through these things and they will come out the other side and hit enemies. What's an enemy I can use with this as an interesting idea? And like that tiered staircase, like doing yeah. up and down, so you have to jump and then hold the button to charge it so it goes far enough. And then you just put a key in the enemy and then you, that's yeah. the lock. Yeah, okay, it works. Right. Yeah, totally. Essentially, yeah. yeah. Um, so... Good. So yeah, it was it was really fun coming up with all those ideas and just putting them down and like doing different um, kind of themes and for them. The, the bullet bill stuff was very fun to play. Like I think some of the so level design fun. was a bit simpler, but it was still simple but very good. Like it's just very yes. fun that timing to fly through the corridor and, um, and onto like the next platform. 
yeah that that was the one where i was like this is just this just feels good to do so i'm just going to make some some fun kind of like drop down here go left go right corridors to to do which are pretty easy to do but they just feel good and like as uh, the other thing that i have started to do a lot more in my mario maker creations is just putting coins in places like it is a thing that doesn't really matter because ultimately i I give you 99 lives in this world like i don't care about lives in mario maker i think it's stupid and i have always thought that lives should just be a thing of the past and i just put coins in there for the purpose of it feel it's a little dopamine hit when you collect them right it feels good in the rumble it sounds great and if you're like gliding along with the bullet bill and collecting coins it gives you this kind of extra mini objective to do that you don't have to do but it kind of a lot of players will do it because it just feels good to do so. It's also just nice. Yes, you can put arrows into signposts, but the coins are also very good to signposts. It's just like yes, you're, exactly. You're, when you're moving through a, a level and your your eye just catches right, that's the coin. That's probably in the area I need to be right now. Yeah, totally. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. The one thing I will say is I think that there are quite a few drawbacks to the 3D world style in terms of it doesn't have certain things that I really like using. Um, one of the most useful items I found in Mario Maker is the donut, which is an object that Mario can't pass through, but um, projectiles and enemies can pass through. And that's been really helpful if you want to do like a shooting gallery type type thing um i used it on the link level i made where you shoot the arrows and you need to shoot the arrows to hit coins Mm. to collect them but link can't go through the donut blocks he gets blocked by them you have to use the arrows to go through them so i couldn't do anything like that because i kind of wanted to do a shooting gallery type thing with the cannonballs um but 3d world just doesn't have an object that has those properties which is frustrating and it also doesn't have just a pure spike block on its own that isn't affected by timing or by on off switches so i I constantly when i was doing spike blocks i had to make sure that it was always at every opportunity either like correctly done for when you get from a checkpoint or from when you first enter the space to be on or off correctly you can't just have a spike block permanently Um, are you sure yes because you either have the red one or the blue one and if you're doing a level about the yellow ones the yellow ones are timed, so they turn they, they they withdraw the spikes for a brief period of time, so you can stand safely on them, and then they shoot out like at timed so intervals. Those, you're right; those are the three types: it's the red, blue, and yellow. Right? Yeah, and there's no like there's no like one by one uh, kind of spike block that you get in all the other tile sets, right? That's just like you can just land on yeah, it. It's, and a, it's a two by two. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that's a little frustrating that I had to do a lot more messing around with timing and making sure that everything lined up properly for if someone died at the checkpoint then it would have to lock them in in order for them to press the on switch so that it would activate the spikes properly because otherwise they just run across it and not have to worry about it a lot of like weird like these levels they they seem a lot very simple the the time that goes into like the fine tuning on like every single little jump and area it's so much more than than you think it's going to end up being and uh you know f- to make five levels did take probably 12 to 15 hours total for me um i wasn't keeping track but that's the other thing about mario maker is you just there is no game in history that evaporates time like mario maker simply <laughs> nothing it is just stupid how it just 
you blink and you're like three hours later yeah yeah makes no sense well Um, it's one of those things that while your juices are flowing you want to get the idea completed because if you if you just if you sleep on it or you know leave it well sometimes sleeping on it helps right like sometimes you'll come up with a better idea when it's going you just want it to go until it's done basically like you just you just want to get to the finish line a bit yeah um any of these kind of new things that they've added inspired you at all to to make some level in Mario Maker? Any, anything that you want to try out? Yes. If I wasn't in the middle of two JRPGs right now, I think I would probably, probably yeah, sure, fair. dive in. It's just I, I am conscious that, I, that these are both games I really want to beat right now. And I would like to jump. I always want to jump back into Mario Maker um, at some point. It's just finding the right time, the right... Uh, right place uh did you try sending your world to like any streamers or the streaming is the streaming scene more or less dried up or no i mean i think this update has rejuvenated it it's definitely there's a lot more smaller streamers doing mario maker at the moment which is good because it's like i go to twitch look search by lowest view count and just go for the smallest people possible to try and get my levels played and uh, i it's definitely harder when you have a world right because the streamer has to commit to five four slash five levels because uh, a couple of them just skipped one of the levels because i made it optional which is fine like i made it optional just for fun um and i i think you should play all the levels in my world um because that's the best experience it will teach you all the mechanics leading up to the end but i did it just because it was the option to do a fork in the road and i felt like it was a fun thing and put two mushroom houses on the other side if you got to the warp pipe um but yes a couple of people played through the whole thing um and they seem to enjoy it they seem to think like hey this is like a well-designed world and and it was you know better than because so many people who stream this game get sent stupid hard fucking kaizo shit and a lot of people just don't make good levels right loads of people just make levels that are infuriating and badly designed and and one of the streamers was talking about that, about how, like, he, he has trouble deciding, like, when do I stop playing someone's level? Like, do I dedicate 20 minutes to this level, even if I'm hating it because this person sent it to me or what? Um, and so it's interesting. And it's an interesting balance um, there. But but yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's cool to see people playing your levels. It's even cooler when you have, like, multiple of them. So you can just, like, just send loads of them all around the place. It's, it's great fun. Um, so, yeah, uh, that's Mario Maker 2 um the other thing that i finished up and i can't remember bali did i talk about the original spire of the dragon um the hd re-release on the show i can't remember when but i think you did yes because i i played it over a uh, christmas break like two years ago and i don't remember if you know because we're in between like game of the year shows and stuff like that i can't remember if i actually talked about it on the show um but uh, i did i have the spire reignited trilogy i played the first game and um on playstation 4 yes uh you have the switch version right because caroline has the switch version. yes caroline has played the first two games and sort of gave up near the end of the third game i believe but i'm gonna okay. definitely jump in and probably start with the first game at some point yeah cool cool uh yeah spyro has always been for me my favorite original playstation game like it is it's the one that i played the most when i was younger and like playing through the original again i was really surprised how much i remembered and how far i had actually gotten in that original game because i basically got to the last world um back in the day which is what's it insomniac who did the remake uh, no so the remake for spyro was done by toys for bob okay. who i believe worked on some disney infinity stuff uh that might be incorrect i'm, I'm not 100 percent certain but uh but they did the remake and it was vicarious visions who did the crash remake i believe okay. um 
so they're both done by different studios but they're both really good versions and the switch versions of both of them are really good as well like having played the crash uh switch edition that's an excellent port um i don't know have you seen caroline playing spyro on the switch can you speak to like the quality of that version yeah it, it runs really well it looks really smooth i, I can't tell 30 versus 60 frames sure yes. I'm, i've decided that i'm just good at telling whether something is smoother or not i can't actually tell right yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's a lot easier to point out like frame pace even if you don't know the the lingo of what frame pacing is it's a lot easier right. to know notice when that is bad and when it's not essentially sure um but uh but yeah so spyro the original i loved i platinumed it it was the it's the only game that i have properly platinumed i have two platinums the other one is the walking dead season one but you get the platinum just for playing that game if you just beat the game you get the platinum so that's not really an actual platinum the the first spyro i went after it um and i say that because i i kind of thought i might do the same with sequels and i'm disappointed to say that spyro 2 did not inspire me to do that at all um Hmm. it's really weird i think a lot of people think spyro 2 is the better game uh superior to the original and there are lots of ways in which it certainly is more impressive right there are a lot more levels um and they are way more unique like each level you go to starts off with a mini cutscene where it shows this enemy and this enemy and they're having problems between them and there's some kind of conflict going on and it's kind of little comedy skits that happen before you enter and they're all completely different every world you go to new enemies new designs new areas that go from like loads of different places and and kind of ideas and and that's really cool i I thought the variety was fantastic but where it falls down for me is a lot of these levels have added kind of meaningless side stuff where you alongside getting all the gems you now have these orbs that you have to collect and to get the orb you have to do like a mini game where you're in a minecart shooting things in front of you or you have to skate on the skating rink and shoot a hockey puck into a goal five times or you have to chase down these dinosaur eggs that keep hatching and are about to eat people but you have to flame them all before they eat people and some of them are fine and easy and they're okay but a lot of them are frustratingly difficult and annoying and not well designed um there's one near the end of the game where these little turtles will spawn and they the the turtles are trying to cook themselves alive essentially they're trying to jump into this boiling pot in the middle of this kind of square arena and you have to stop them by flaming them and then pushing them off the side the first version of this uh, is very easy there are only like four or five turtles they come out quite slowly and you push them off the side i'm like okay let's try the harder version right the the, the original version is like two star difficulty this the, the next one's four star and like they send like fucking 25 turtles at you in very short space of time and they're all like crowding around the pot and it's a fucking nightmare and it's like impossible so like getting the orb on a lot of these things was just not worth it for me and the other thing is the game doesn't really tell you that you need to be going after these things they they are positioned as optional collectibles if you want to do them and lo and behold you get to the final world of spyro 2 and the final boss is locked behind 40 fucking orbs and by that point i got into there and i had been i've been doing some along the way I'd, i'd collect orbs when i felt like it and i had 18 by the time i got to the final world i was like oh for fuck's sake this is this is shit like that I don't... is a lot that, that is 22 orbs behind yes i was very very behind and it got really frustrating because i was like 
going to all these new worlds and i was like well i've got to get every orb here i guess and some of them i think some of the worlds are just much harder to get the orbs than others um there's one that's an underwater one that that's the other thing the underwater controls in this game suck like fair enough in the first game if you landed in water spyro couldn't swim he just drowned any body of water you fell in uh whereas in this game you can swim and i was like okay that's kind of neat but then i realized oh no the swimming controls are awful and they haven't updated them at all and they feel very tricky to navigate and just not intuitive um so any underwater levels i was like i don't want to spend more time here than i need to so i ended up like not getting orbs in those places but you know i looked up a guide online and the there are orbs that are situated in the hub areas so the, the interesting thing is the original spyro has maybe five or six hub areas maybe seven um, and there are much fewer worlds and maybe three or four worlds per hub area versus this game there are three hub areas but each hub area has like 11 12 worlds in it Jeez. so there's a lot there's a lot more like exploration around the sub area and the other thing is that you can unlock abilities now so you can you can unlock a ground pound you can unlock uh, the ability to climb up ladders um so there are, and, and there's a new added thing that's just part of spyro's toolkit now where if you glide somewhere and he can't quite make it you can press triangle and you do a little flutter to get yourself up to the top of the ledge um, which has been helpful um in certain areas but uh but yeah i i found all the orbs in the hub areas which helped me close the gap and then funnily enough every time you finish a world uh the npc at the end gives you a like artifact type thing and the uh, once you get all the artifacts in a world then you open up the portal to the next one at the final world you don't need any artifacts anymore because there's no portal to open up so they they give you an orb just for finishing the level so there's like six or seven levels in the final world and you get an orb for just just finishing those which is good like that kind of bumped my total up a bit and then i just went back and and cleaned up some of the earlier easy levels to get some and honestly you know here's the thing um i was very much put off by this and it came at a good time because i got to that point as soon as final fantasy 7 remake released so i had a week of just playing final fantasy 7 remake 40 hours into that had a great time and then i came back to spyro and i was like all right let's do the spyro thing like it was good to have a break from it to like come back and then it turned out it only took me like an hour and a half to get all the orbs so it wasn't that okay. bad in the end um it just seemed much more intimidating than it was and it was annoying um so so i did fight the final boss it's a bad final boss it's, it's three phases there's no checkpointing between the phases and it's annoying but i beat it and uh and i finished Spyro 2 and yeah i don't know uh, it it didn't strike me as as being as well designed or as interesting as the first game overall despite all these improvements and things like that it feels like it was a bit too over padded for me but did it help that the first game probably had more nostalgia that is the thing i find hard to separate right, right. um it's really difficult because in my mind i'm like i don't know maybe this is a better game maybe i just don't like it because i don't know it as well i don't my understanding is the first game is a lot simpler a lot shorter yeah and, you know they're actually around the same length overall okay. um the thing i like about the first game is that the dragons you collect they're just about exploration and finding them they're not about doing stupid tasks right it's about it's about using your gliding abilities and like figuring out the level layout to get to the place and unlock to unlock the dragon you just walk onto it and he cracks open and he's like ah spyro here's a tip eat spaghetti with pasta and i don't know they say really <laughs> stupid lines um <laughs> that make no sense and like out of context 
but th- that's why i like that system is because it's very like the only real collectible that's annoying in the first game are the stupid egg guys who go na 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 and just fucking run around and they suck like they fucking haunt my childhood but but this one just felt like it all that side stuff was a bit more annoying and you have i think the first game has a little bit of this as well but there are areas where you go through a uh, kind of archway and the archway gives you infinite flight so you can fly around and shoot things in the air or the archway gives you a super powered flame so that there are certain enemies that you can only kill with those yeah I, those from watching caroline seem like the hardest thing in the game yeah they're definitely the more tricky challenges for sure um they are. Uh, they're they're fine like and and that's the thing i I do think this was an era of video games where they started to realize oh we can just put more in it and people will like it because it lasts longer right like that's the way to make video games better just to put more just pad it out right and uh you know i think we've come kind of back around on that point at this at this uh juncture uh where i just don't like that type of game design anymore it's not it doesn't really speak to me um and and yeah i don't know it's cool like this was the game that introduced like hunter the tiger and like the foal i can't remember her name and these other like spyro universe characters that then went on to be in all the spin-offs like mm. the season of ice that we played and things like that so it definitely expands i had a gamecube game that i can't remember the name of that i played it was the first spyro gamecube game that wasn't made by insomniac it was made by someone else yeah um, it was okay but, yeah i remember playing some of that at your place uh but yeah, kind of kind of bummed out that I didn't enjoy it as much as the first game. But again, it's really hard to separate nostalgia and really know what I think. Because when I played through the Crash games, again, I thought Crash 2 was the best um, of them. Or it was the one it was the one I had the most fun with, I think. Maybe, maybe Crash 3 is the best, potentially. But also Crash 3 has a bunch of like weird mini games and like, you know, underwater sections and driving sections that weren't that interesting. But Are you up for Spyro 3 then? Or are you going to yeah i'll play it distance i think this is different from crash because i don't know there's something about the spyro games where i I play them and i'm like okay that's enough like i'm kind of done even though i enjoy the spyro games way more maybe it's the fact that they are much more open and explory and not just linear levels that it makes it harder for me to jump straight into another one you know like um i will play the third game it'll probably be a little while i'll give it a rest until i feel like it um yeah and then the last thing I want to talk about is Cat Girl Without Salad Amuse Bouche, uh, which is so Way Forward back in 2013 released this game, I believe, on Steam, and it was like an April Fool's joke. Basically, the game, the entire game, was an April Fool's joke, and um, that's a long time ago. Yeah, and so they finally, for April Fool's this year, they released it on Switch. And they sent me a code, and I was like, all right, let's check this out. This thing seems weird. And the whole thing probably takes about 45 minutes to an hour. It's very, very short. Uh, it's a side-scrolling shooter, and it's really fucking chatty. Like, you plays this cat girl in space. Her name is Kabako. And the entire level you play, like, there's just nonstop dialogue between these characters. Um, and it's just very, like, anime and kind of over-the-top and kind of cartoonish um it's it's, some of it is funny a lot of it is very grating i don't know a lot of the time i just ended up listening to something else while i was playing it um but as a side-scrolling shooter there's only three levels the levels are really quite long and they all have a boss at the end of them but the most unique thing about it is that there are a bunch of weird guns that you get 
one of the guns is an rpg gun where you have a menu and if you press if you like scroll down the menu with your buttons you can choose magic which will throw out some magic potions as, as projectiles you can choose attack which kabako will just like move forward and like like wave her sword like a turn-based animation in final fantasy and it will automatically like do damage to the enemy um you can run you can choose the run option which will like scoot you back and almost dodge you out the way um and there's there's another one i can't remember um another one of the guns is a pac-man gun where you shoot it and after you shoot it you use the face buttons to control the direction of the pac-man so the pac-man just goes around the screen and like eats up enemies <laughs> instead of like you shooting bullets there's a mega man gun you shoot out a little platformy guy and as you shoot him out he runs across the screen and you can press a for him to jump and he jumps just like mega man and he can jump into enemies and hit them so there's so many weird ideas here for these guns and these weapons the unfortunate thing is if you get hit once the weapon disappears and you have to wait until you pick up another one there's one which is like dance dance revolution where in order to fire it you have to play the pattern of the dancing mini game as it goes across the bottom of the screen so you have to do like up down left right and stuff like that and you're still controlling your like the the left analog stick controls your character and you're using the face buttons to do a lot of these inputs for the the attacks like either scrolling through menus or moving them around on screen like a pac-man or whatever so it is a little bit of like pat your head rub your stomach at the same time because you're doing these two things at once um but it's quite quite fun um it's like very short so know that going in it's kind of just like a joke almost it is an april fool's joke but surprisingly for an april fool's joke of a video game it's pretty competent and like it feels good to play and there are fun enough ideas in there and as a side-scrolling shooter as someone who's pretty bad at that genre it's pretty forgiving like it's it's definitely tricky but they give you enough health and they give you opportunities where you can recover your health uh frequently enough where you know i had a good time with it and uh it was it was very much like i played one level at a time i kind of spent 15 20 minutes played a level put it down and then like the next day i'd come back and play it and um yeah you can beat it in one sitting but i think it's maybe a little overpriced for what it is i thought saw it was 7.99 dollars on the u.s store um so maybe wait it'll probably go in a sale for like two or three dollars at some point um so yeah i liked it it's very strange its name is very hard to remember it's, it's stupid but hey that's that's what you get cat girl without salad and moose bouche i'm almost surprised square enix didn't make this game because it's kind of the level of nonsense that they usually lean into um so so yeah i enjoyed it uh that however is going to close out our first segment don't go anywhere we'll be back after the break with some of your emails <laughs> Hello everyone and welcome back to the show. It's the second segment and that means it's time for emails, but the well has gone dry, MBZ. Uh, it's so I mean, dry. I'm thirsty it's not down here, Valley. In weeks and it's it's getting bad. It's getting yeah. real bad. How we, will we survive without emails? I don't I don't know. I have no idea. But we would really appreciate it if you could spend us a few minutes of your time sending a question, sending an email 
And... Ali, you won't get this reference, but I am Goku right here. I'm standing. Send me your spirit energy. I, the spirit bomb is in the making. I need your spirit energy of emails to create this spirit bomb of emails. Thank you, everyone. Please. Please send them to this Nintendo Life <laughs> at gmail.com. That is this Nintendo Life at gmail.com. Uh, or send us a tweet uh, at TNL Podcast. You could tweet at us. You could join our Discord server, post an email thread on there. There's a link to that Discord server on our Twitter account in the description of this show in the show notes so check that out uh we would really appreciate questions comments feedback we love it it's great it keeps the show on the road uh, and it makes for an even better email segment next time so our first email this week is from b king who is from sweden hey guys i recently got ring fit adventure and i must say that i was really impressed by it the game is very well designed and thought out to keep you motivated while at the same time being clear about how to perform each exercise and how you shouldn't overdo it in order to get the most out of the workout and not injure yourself i was mostly impressed by how well the ring con itself worked and just how versatile the joy con are it's honestly pretty amazing how much nintendo managed to put into those tiny controllers who knew they could actually measure your heart rate so Beaking then talks about sort of a video about spawn wave and about breaking down the tech inside Ring Fit. The most interesting part about this, though, is that he mentioned that Nintendo actually had used a similar technique with a flex sensor back in the NES era for the power glove. Uh, he later continues by speaking about how this shows that Nintendo often look back at ideas from the past and try to see how they can use similar technology, but in different ways. Uh, I find this pretty interesting to look at and uh, also very exciting to think about what more Nintendo could come up with by reusing old ideas and implementing them into new creations. Uh, what are some ideas or types of technology from Nintendo's past that you would like to, them to revisit and maybe use in some different way to come up with new peripherals or gimmicks in the future? I'm looking forward to the next episode. Keep up the good work. Greetings from Sweden. Okay. Yeah, it's. Uh, I didn't realize that the uh, Ring Fit actually had a bunch of tech in it that uh, that did all this interesting stuff. Because you look at it and you're like, oh, it's just a ring, right? Isn't? I think a lot of people were speculating that surely the Joy Cons are doing most of the work here. Like, why is it so expensive to buy? Yeah, a bit like Labo, right? It kind of just it's yeah. the the Joy Cons pick, sensors picking up stuff that feeds back into the game. Yeah, totally, um, and. Um, and it's really interesting right they i think nintendo often they often come back around to technology and like reuse it i think the most famous one at least the one that i uh, often hear about the most is how 3d was initially going to be on the gamecube until they decided it wasn't going to work and had to wait until it was much more commercially viable and, and therefore the 3ds became a thing because they could make their own screen which had all glasses free and and it kind of worked out in that sense and to some degree like virtual boy has come back around as well in terms of labo vr right like it's not nintendo going whole hog into vr because i think virtual boy definitely burned them back in the day but um but it's it's cool to think about like what would nintendo do with a full vr setup if they were to make another standalone product like the virtual boy was back then um and and how it would work like do you kind of see this era of nintendo like reaching back into the archives and be like okay our new vr thing is gonna look like the virtual boy and the power glove and like you use the power <laughs> gloves as controllers like standing there like this kind of you know technology person almost yeah, dressed I, in old nintendo uh apparel and technology i think the frustrating thing with vr we've talked about it before is that it is the 
it is the tech holding them back a little bit. It's it's difficult to see them doing more than just dabbling in it like they kind of had have with Labo VR because you know VR is in a strange place where the best things on the market are really high entry costs, and then the more mainstream PSVR isn't doesn't hold up in comparison to like a lot of those other experiences and then we've obviously got a next generation of consoles coming out that that we know that sony are going to continue vr and it's about i just don't think anything that nintendo does in that market has makes any big waves whatsoever i I don't think labo vr particularly made huge waves as cool as that thing is um so i think what nintendo are good at is stuff like ring fit where it is that kind of Wii Fit, Wii Sports style of thing. I can totally see Nintendo going back to this whole sports model uh, in some way. Maybe not with a Switch, maybe with the next Switch or maybe down the line. But I just think that we've said before, Nintendo always like to keep their toe dipped into that crazy mainstream, everyone buys a Wii kind of market that arguably ring fit sales wise is tapping into a little bit and that's helped by the fact the switch is selling very well but it seems like it's critically a very good game a very good product uh and i i do think nintendo will constantly dip back into things i just don't think that's going to i think that's going to be more like we sports and we fit uh than it is going to be something vr related just because of what the positioning of where vr is right now in the industry it's funny to think about how how much in terms of the peripherals nintendo have made over the years have lent into the idea of getting people exercise and 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 fit and things like that because obviously you have wii fit which is a big deal even the wii when it first started was you know get off the couch swing your remote around play tennis um but even before that they were doing stuff like or maybe this was after the wii because this was during the ds era as well they had the poker walker when you bought heart gold and soul silver so it was encouraging people to go outside and take their tamagotchi style pokemon with them to collect items and things like that and you know, have Ring Fit, you had their initial pitch for, like, a sleep device that would sit next to you, which is now being rolled into Pokemon Sleep, I believe, whenever Pokemon Sleep releases. Who knows what that is going to be or how that works, and is Pokemon Sleep even going to actually come out, right? Like, because it feels, feels like one of those ideas or one of those products that Nintendo had ideas for back when they were just flopping during the Wii U era, and they needed to invest in other parts of like different ways to make money um and so the fitness market the the health market seemed like Mm. one of those avenues that they had experience in that they could potentially go down a bit more i think Um, they would go down that path again through something similar to street pass i just think yes that's not like a it's that's more like a a software not hardware or like a uh, an add-on or any sort of but, i mean that's another great example of nintendo encouraging people to walk around right with, by rewarding them for walking around essentially totally and the switch obviously is this kind of strange hybrid and the, the switch light is far more focused on the sort of the handheld only aspect and if there is and if nintendo keep going for the hybrid which i hope they do maybe they see it as difficult to argue that they want to focus so much software into something that is so focused on the handheld component. But then again, if you own a traditional Switch, there's nothing to stop you from putting it in your rucksack and still getting the benefit if they did have software that was a bit like StreetPass. So I think that that is something that was so unique to Nintendo, so innovative, so cool, uh, that I'd love to see them return to. Yeah, it's for me the when i think about weird technology that nintendo 
talked about and then never did anything with the one that always comes to the front of my mind is the vitality sensor like what the fuck was the vitality sensor uh what was it supposed to do what were their game ideas behind it like obviously nintendo don't really make horror games and like the vitality sensor seems like the thing that would be custom made for a horror experience in order to like see what the heart rate is of the player and like throw them jump scares when it would most elevate it and things like that um so ultimately i don't know how they would use that outside of that setting for like game design but it was just this weird thing that like you put your finger inside it and i just i think they cited they couldn't get it to work with 100 percent of people like they said it would only work with 90 percent of people and that wasn't good enough for them they wanted it to work universally across the board um so they kind of abandoned it and never did anything with it but uh there must be a more streamlined way of doing that because that was literally you know back in the day with the wii you'd plug in a bunch of peripherals into the the slot at the end of the wii remote and uh, the vitality center was going to be one of those where you plugged it in and you put your finger in it and and that kind of takes your other hand away so you'd have to have a game where you only controlled it with one hand with the wii remote which plenty of games did do that but uh i don't know what kind of thing you do maybe a fatal frame right like on rails fatal frame where you're just pointing and taking pictures of ghosts and things that Mm. would probably be the thing that would most make sense with it but yeah i don't know what the hell they would have done with the with the it's one of those like products that i just don't like it can come back and i have no idea how they would use it right one thing i'd love to see in a switch too is the ability to play linked to a tv like a wii u and yes okay yes the switch is fantastic i love it uh the wii u had massive flaws i get that but experiences like even the Wind Waker remake or Pikmin 3 where maps are put onto the second screen, added functionality is added that you can swap between the two screens, you can still play handheld only. Like there was that seamless aspect to say the Wind Waker remake where you could play on, there were different modes of playing. You could play with uh, Link on the top screen, map on the bottom screen. You could play with Link on the bottom screen, map on the top screen, I even believe. And like you, like you could swap these around. I just think that there's a lot of functionality Especially when we talk about like third-person games and HUDless perspectives where you can just put all the information you need in JRPGs or maps or whatever it is on the bottom screen, all the movesets, whatever you need to see. And then you can just present a really visually interesting world without any added HUD on the top screen. Like That's something that I think would be really appreciated in a future zelda a future metroid or whatever like i think there are really cool innovative things you can do with that extra screen that i would love a a second switch to do yeah i i think we're just weird bali i think no one actually cares about that outside of people who like the wii u which is like a clearly a very select and small audience um and yeah i totally get where you're coming from because again like we we get used to that idea especially with the ds and the 3ds for years and years you have this screen real estate to work with where you can Mm. like take things and put them into a separate space so you know maybe the potential is that they bring dual screens back for another switch version which would be weird like imagine a giant sandwich switch that had multiple screens on it i think it would be a little bit too unwieldy and, and probably not make a lot of sense but you know there are lots of phones these days that have foldable screens right i don't know if that would be something nintendo ever gets into or is interested in that type of technology um potentially could be a thing that they is 
Look into glasses three glasses free three D ever coming back. Uh I wish it would. Um obviously, you know, evangelist on this show as we are. It'd be great. Like I think it would be Because you think about the resolution of say the Switch versus the three D S and it's not it's not night and day, that's harsh, but like I well kind of is. <laughs> say the next switch were down the line, the resolution. Just compare New Leaf on three D S to New Horizons, it's it is kind of night and day, like there's yeah, there's been yeah. a bit of a leap there. It's just what because um, you can up res that glasses free technology. Like it's not the resolution that's holding it back necessarily. Like it's just No. There's really cool stuff I think you could do down the line. Um I just think people don't care anymore, you know? And ultimately, you have to think about this from a wider perspective of, like, the consumers that care about Nintendo, what do they care about? They care about Nintendo video games. Are they good? And ultimately, that's what it's come down to is, do, do they? first of all, do they have an appealing piece of hardware, right? Which they finally have one. Second of all, are there enough games on it that people want to buy it they've kind of done that with the third party support they have and the indies and obviously does it have the nintendo games i want to buy yes and i think adding 3d doesn't move the needle for the vast majority of people right like that's such a small subsection of an audience as much as we love it it just doesn't make financial sense for them to do so it would Um, need a killer app it would need something that makes you go makes the whole industry go whoa you can only do this in this 3d mode and you must buy this game if you buy the system sort of thing and i think ultimately 3d still exists it's just moved to vr now vr is just the area where 3d has become more important yeah and 3d is almost vanished in a 2d setting as weird as that sounds what i'm trying to say in a screen setting a traditional screen setting right Um, like uh, the fewer and fewer movies come out these days that have 3d options to them they still happen right but like it's more of a case of the cinema wanting to make more money on a 3D version because you have to pay more for the ticket price yeah. um, versus anything. I don't even, even think these films are shot in 3D anymore. It's literally just no. them duplicating the film, which is like the laziest thing possible. Whereas back in the yeah. day, back in the day, how was Avatar now back in the day? It's 2009. It was over 10 yeah. years ago. Um, so. It was like films like that were actually shot with two cameras on set. Um, so it makes a big difference in theory. Totally yeah um but yeah good question beaking um hopefully we'll see some more creative nintendo come back ring fit is the nice a nice change from some of the more traditional aspects of the launch of the switch totally yeah cool so next question is from makaya who's from england hi guys i've been thinking about the current state of mario games on the switch after playing some mario and sonic games around at friends Perhaps it's nostalgia making me think the previous titles are better or even the very high quality of games on Switch, but for me, sports and party Mario titles constitute all of the most disappointing Switch releases. Contrast this, uh, for example, with the GameCube Mario spin-off. Some of the most fun games on the system are stuff like Mario Strikers, Mario Party 4, 5, and 6, Mario Power Tennis, and Double Dash. Even Toadstool Tour had its moments, and Baseball has a surprisingly fun story with a lot of side modes too. So with that out of the way, I get to my question. Do you think these series have declined in quality, and what direction would you like to see these games take in the future? Makaya from England. Very good. Uh, well, Bali, you're the expert here, right? right? Yeah, like, I've got a lot to say about this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, 
I wouldn't bunch them all together. I think you're, you're talking about Mario Party titles, you're talking about Mario Sports titles, and you've got even thrown in Mario Kart in there with Double Dash. I think we've talked enough about Mario Kart and our views on that on the show, I think. So I don't want you can You can call Mario Kart a spin off. Technically, it yeah, is a spin off. It is a spin off. But it's also the best selling Nintendo franchise. The spin off that is bigger than the original. <laughs> yeah, like Mario Kart's more popular than regular Mario. That's how yeah. important it is. I think Mario Kart is evolving fine, it's doing well. I love Mario Kart. there's an argument to be made that it's stagnated right seven and eight are basically like they're so similar i do think i agree i think we seven and eight they've all got a lot of overlapping aspects and obviously double dash is very unique very interesting i still love it I, i would say like ds and double dash was the era when mario kart was his most interesting right absolutely um, you yeah. had like the giant weapon mechanic and the two drivers but then ds also had mission mode and then after that they were kind of like well let's just take out these interesting things and just make it kind of the right. same thing but I more polished there's the potential to like smashify as we've said there's the potential to throw back in duos on carts there's the potential to throw back in the mission mode i think there is a lot of room where the current format can go as 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 polished and almost perfect as Mario Kart 8 is in many ways i think there's still lots you can do with that series and that's actually the healthiest series by a mile out of everything discussed here honestly so i think we're good for that in terms of uh let's go on to party games so yes i own and loved mario parties 4 5 and 6 on the gamecube i've not dipped back into mario party since then uh from all everything i've followed and reviews and things i appreciate that those seem to be not as good games um and i well, know that- i i don't know having played mario party 4 within the last month uh because i'm back home uh my sister wanted to play it's mario party <laughs> we uh we played a 10 turn round of mario party 4 we set the cpus to normal we played with i think daisy and donkey kong maybe and um no one got a single star in the game itself uh daisy was an idiot and did something stupid to make sure she didn't get a star and then at the end of the game daisy won because she got the most happening spaces um so mario kart's always uh, mario party has always been bullshit what i will say is i think the mini games are still kind of fun right like there's still yeah a decent amount of good game design in there like uh, i don't know like maybe that's going a little too being a bit too generous about it yeah i i, I totally think i'm very nostalgic for that series out of four five and six i actually played perhaps the most of five and i played a lot of that at university and i think those mini games are very strong i think the mini games in six are strong I think four's mini games are good, but I do think the mini games in five and six are slightly better as many as okay. much as there are good games in four. I I have no reason to believe that Mario Party is eight, what are we on like seven, eight, nine, ten? I don't think the We're mini on games. Super Mario Party. They've basically rebooted it now with the Switch. Games. <laughs> right. It's just so now they can numberless. do Super Mario Party two, Super Mario Party three. Right. Right. So um, I don't actually think from what I've seen that those mini games are any worse, and it is a lot to do with just the the party structure not being great. I think the thing that really has killed the new Mario Party in terms of my interest in it is the boards have no life to them. They're so tiny right. and small. And and they don't have the character that like the one of the levels we played for example was the cooper cabana beach where there's this beach hut that's being built in the center and you can go left or right and you can slip on bananas left or right and there's like a top area and all the like there's a character and a identity to each board and each of them have their little kind of gimmicks to them whereas the newer mario parties either they're in the stupid car where everyone's just in the whole thing together and it's not the same as mario party Mm. or it's it's the new one where 
they don't there's not really a lot of interesting going on on the map itself and like there's limited amounts of items it's not much interesting happening on the meta perspective of like not just playing the mini games yeah totally it's I don't feel comfortable buying like a 40 quid game just to play some mini games. I can only enjoy locally. Um, well, let me tell you, Val, you like, can do that for Mario Party, the top 100 on 3DS <laughs> for $40 for the mini games. Right. It's just, so I, I, I've, I've not, I guess I have personally given up on Mario Party more or less. Yes, I would, there's so many th- things that people have said of how that series can improve that we've already mentioned and, I feel not great about that series, honestly. If, Would if, you say it's in decline, or do you think that Super Mario Party has maybe brought a bit more hope to people? Because Super Mario Party is one of the best-selling Switch games. It's sold 9 yeah, million it, copies. It sounds like, really good. I think it does some really cool things minigame-wise, and I think... I really like that idea that they showed in the trailer of the tanks, right? Where right. you put the two Switches together. Yeah, but, um, it's just about that how do the parties function and how and just enjoy co-op multi like multiplayer games in person like we need to just have that online functionality for these to be like kind of go to the next generation i guess and like yes i it's the, it's the thing that has stopped me from buying the castlevania and con well mainly the contra collection because like if that contra collection had online i think we both would have bought it already and would have started playing contra together, right right exactly because it's great fun and we are currently in lockdown we cannot just yeah. hang out at each other's uh places and like it is important to have that online functionality and that's something that just Mario Party has more or less given up on. But uh, as, as much as I think some of the mini games are doing well, um, baseball I was always a game I wanted to play. Never played on GameCube. I don't even think it came out in the UK, so it's a hard one. No, to I don't think up. Sluggers was uh, was a release here. Um, unfortunately, Strikers Charged I never played on GameCube, but I enjoyed a lot on the Wii. Um, well, Strikers so, was GameCube. Strikers, Strikers Charged right, was Wii. Exactly. Right, next level games uh, with their polish which i think i I think a mario strikers game on switch will probably happen at some point and i think that game will be fine i don't know how much you can improve that formula because strikers charged was a very good game although it had some weird we waving we waving stuff yeah that i don't, don't think it's aged the best i i do wonder like is there any advocate within nintendo to make a strikers game because next level seemed to have taken up a next level in terms of the development uh on on nintendo's side like they are behind one of the best switch games with luigi's mansion 3 like they did punch out they they have revived a bunch of nintendo franchises and i think they're kind of like this higher tier almost they're almost like too good for mario sports games at this point in time if you know what yeah. i mean yeah yeah and strikers kind of feels They've kind of reinvented the sport for that game. It's like it doesn't play like a, a football or a soccer game. It plays like almost an ice hockey or basketball game. It's very, right. it's very fast paced and silly power ups and things. It's kind of like red card where you can like punch people on the pitch. In uh... yeah, I mean, I'd almost be up for Mario Strikers attempting to do like larger pitch eleven aside, more traditional football style, but with obviously Mario characters and some added stuff in there. I, I, I don't. I wouldn't be adverse to them trying something like that. But as you say, I don't think it's a hugely important series in the grand scheme of things. The next level, as you say, are probably working on far more important things. Um, I think Mario Tennis, I don't think I've played a good Mario Tennis game since the N64 version and the Game Boy Color version. Uh, obviously, the Game Boy Color version has a huge um, 
RPG mode. I never picked up the Game Boy Advance game for Mario Tennis, which I think also had an RPG mode, which I would love to play one day. I think that I can still get that on Wii U, actually. Uh, and I was had zero interest in the Wii, well, Wii U one, never picked that up, but also that game. That was maybe one of the worst releases Nintendo has ever done in terms of like <laughs> right. lack of things or content at all. I remember watching the Giant Bomb Quick Look and it's like 20, maybe 15 minutes long. And it's like, <sighs> yep, this is, this is it. There's nothing yeah. else here. Yep. And then that Switch one came out and it was like hinting at like a campaign with a more RPG style mode and it just kind of didn't deliver on that. It was more just like annoying challenges that people yeah. ended up finding frustrating and things like yeah. that. Um, that. As very... much as I think Mario Tennis Aces, Mario Tennis Aces is much more of an upswing for, for this, like in terms of talking about our series declining, I would say tennis is a on an upswing because of just because how bad the previous ones were um versus like i guess strikers on a downswing because it just doesn't exist anymore right um, yeah. and golf golf as well is more on an upswing people love the 3ds golf game they, they people thought that was a great game so yeah i mean um, on tennis i really didn't enjoy the gamecube game and from there on i was like these physics are just nothing like the n64 game the physics on the n64 game are gold they are so good it just the weight of like the shots and the the, the physics just work so well, well um, you also weren't a fan of like the giant super moves and things like that right yeah, you're much more they, of a like back to basics tennis approach i'm a traditionalist yeah just give me some te- a tennis game with mario characters you know like that's kind of what i liked with uh with tennis golf wise i think the series is going strong i didn't play the 3ds one but as you said i think a lot of people really like that game i thought total tour on gamecube was fantastic uh i think the n64 version was very good i think the game Boy color version i really enjoyed and that has an rpg mode uh, obviously we've had like golf stories since then which is like a more updated rpg game which i think is awesome but i am very confident there will be a very good mario golf game on switch to come that will be based loosely around that 3ds game because i think out of the Mario sports games, that's kind of what I'm most in on right now. Um, and Do we know have... who made Mario Tennis Aces? Was it Camelot? I guess. I don't know. I would guess it was Camelot, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, they, well, they'll be working on something, right? And I, I would not be surprised if what they're working on is a Mario Golf for Switch, right? Right. If that seems to make sense. I'd be very up for some Mario Golf on Switch. So yeah, I have most faith in that out of the sort of sports titles, I guess. Um, and yeah, I what do i want to see from that i don't know just online leaderboards nice courses and a good looking i think a good looking game is quite important for a title like mario golf especially on switch um it's got to be crisp it's got to look good uh and yeah in those games do they ever have courses that are like references or things like that like a giant course that's donkey kong's face or something like that you know um yeah there's like there was like a special course on um toastal tour which is only par threes uh for the whole course and it was just set in like dk's jungle and it was like oh nice these are all par threes or and you will have like a bowser's castle course um a tropical course so like traditional foresty course um yeah there, there's some there's like a there was a proper like peach's castle course on toastal tour which had like warp pipes in it that you'd have to get your ball in and stuff and Nice. Again, that the more that they mess the mess up the golf formula, it does make me more kind of like oh, just 
just give us Mario with golf like that. <laughs> That's what I want, really. <laughs> You're so boring, vanilla Bally. You never want I, anything. I am uh, to a degree. Uh, but yeah, that, and golf is something where they've been very careful, in my mind, in terms of power moves. Yes, you can use a power move, but it's just a more powerful shot. It's not like some crazy... And then the ball flew on a banana across the sky and then landed in the hole. It's not overly crazy. I think they've gone a bit too crazy with tennis, arguably. Um, yeah, no, I get that. Yeah, they, so, um... yeah, but I, I, I have faith, as as we've said. Um, I think golf and cart, they're the big sellers probably as well. And I think they're both going to yeah. come to switch again. Overall, from this perspective of the Mario spinoffs, are we on an upswing? Are we on a downswing? How do you feel? Generally speaking, an upswing, um, but on sports specifically, those N64 games are just, especially tennis, I I, I want to see more RPG mechanics yeah. brought back in. And um, I think Nintendo might be just too scared that if you bring RPG mechanics into something like that, it won't sell as well or it appeals to a very different market from what they want to go for or something. I think there's, there's a real stubbornness to just not going back to that, which feels very strange. It's interesting. I don't think Golf Story would have done well if it wasn't an RPG, right? Like, if it was right. just a golf game, I don't think people would have cared. Um, but, and Golf Story did well because we we hadn't had that golf RPG in so long, and that is because Nintendo have just turned their back on it. And, like, we've seen loads of series that Nintendo have turned their back on that have done well with, like, indie spin-offs like Wargroove and... Um, uh fast racing neo and these sorts of things so like that unfortunately golf and tennis rpgs are one of those things that nintendo have just decided like it's not it's not up to them anymore and uh those are those gaps are being filled by indie games and that yeah is it a good thing they're being filled by indie games yes would i still like to see nintendo's take on that of course but it's it's better we have uh, you know the golf stories and fast racing neos of this world than um than not having them definitely yeah, no, I'll I'll take any any of those um, for sure. But uh, I would say we're past the decline. I feel like the decline happened when Mario Tennis on Wii U came out. That was like maybe the lowest point for any Mario that spin-off was in very history. Low. Yeah, um, and we're past that. So we, we we're building back up. We're not quite at the levels of like Total Tour and um, you know Mario Tennis sixty four and all that stuff yet. But I feel like we're definitely we're moving towards that hopefully to to get back into business but totally uh, i yeah. that's going to be a very good golf game on switch i believe i believe it's happening the hope is here for sure but thank you very much for your email makai and as i said at the top of the segment it's a it's an email drought happening right now we would love you to send in some more emails so please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com you can also send us a tweet on twitter that's at tnl podcast we'd usually appreciate that or jump in our discord server link in the description link on twitter and we have an emails thread where you can also post comments and questions uh, we would hugely appreciate it. But that's all we've got time for the second segment. Join us in the next segment where we're going to speculate a bit, uh, talk about Breath of the Wild 2. So see you in a minute.
All right, everyone, welcome back to the final part of the show, where we're going to be talking about um, something very important because there's really nothing else to talk about. So why why not go wild speculation and dream crazy? Let's talk about The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild 2 final title not confirmed as of yet. Um, maybe we can start there, Bally. What the hell is this game going to be called, <laughs> right? Like, um, it's, it's interesting because... So Breath of the Wild 2 obviously got announced last year at E3. It was like the one more thing at Nintendo's press conference. And, um, and we've seen nothing of it since. We've heard nothing of it since. There's rumors like bounding about that it may have been released at the end of this year i think all the stuff happening in the world has probably meant that's not going to be the case um and obviously i'm going to take some real heavy losses on my fantasy league unless i just drop it but um (coughs) you know it's definitely not a great situation um going forward for when that game might come out but you know it's probably sooner than we think and i think that's probably because they're building off a lot of the bones of the first game right like that that's kind of what we're imagining here um i think the name has to be quite far away from breath of the wild and that might sound okay. obvious but i think the, the the phrase breath of the wild is so intrinsic to that feeling of massive open spaces exploration uh that i just and i'll, I'll get to this when I, i've got some theories about what they could do gameplay wise but i think certainly for most part of the game they're going to move away from the main gaming loop of that formula and as a result i think the name has to match that and be something very i think it'll be very focused on the story breath of the wild is very compared to something like twilight princess which i think is quite a on the fairly on the nose this is the story this is what we're going to call majora's mask that's quite intrinsic as well ocarina of time breath of the wild like the story's not about the wild a lot of the previous names of zelda games are based around objects right like ocarina of time majora's mask skyward swords like they're all Mm. things within the game and obviously that kind of has a a bit of a lineage with like every zelda game having some kind of musical instrument in it and things like that and you know breath of wild just broke from convention completely um in that sense so so yeah do you do you feel like the name has to evoke what this game is going for um in a similar sense to what the first game did i don't think so because i think for a lot of casual viewers or followers they probably just think of breath of the wild as zelda switch you know i don't think right, the, the, yeah. the words breath of the wild are intrinsic to marketing to sales to what that game's going for i, I agree that like amongst a zelda audience and critically it is important we, we are very we care a lot about like the follow-up title but i think for if you want zelda 2 essentially on switch to sell well I don't think you need to evoke anything related to Breath of the Wild in terms of like that that branding. Yeah, Nintendo have barely done like they don't really with mainline Mario and Zelda games put a two on the end. The only example we have is like Galaxy Two, right? That doesn't mm. that's ge- generally not the way they roll with it. Zelda, especially because Zelda is always about a different subtitle. There's never been numbers. Well, aside from Zelda Two, The Adventure of Link, there's never been numbers associated with a mainline zelda game um so it would be weird at this point to go back to it and be like it's breath of the wild 2 and they just put a 2 on the end of it marketing wise that's an easy job done right like it's very clear it's like here is the sequel to that game that everyone loved here is another one of those um but i don't i feel like nintendo want to go beyond that right like I, i don't think they are satisfied to just put a 2 on the end and say 
it's another one because I, I feel like the tone we've got from that trailer, the sense I get from what developers want to do after they've done something like that is not to just do the same thing again but mm-hmm. with slight differences right um yeah and, and i do think like they are obviously reusing stuff asset wise and like visual wise it's probably going to look the same right from the art design standpoint it's yeah. going to have that same look to it um but it's going to do something different right that's uh, the thing i think when you take breath of the wild and you think what is the gaming loop of breath of the wild and you realize that that it's very hard to change one aspect of that loop and not affect another part of the game so what i mean is like you're in an open space you see a shrine up on a hill you want to visit that shrine the quest to getting to the shrine is part of the game that's like an exciting thing in and of itself there might be enemies on the way there might be something you collect there might be a field of horses there might be this there's things you see on the way then you get to that shrine you do the puzzle you do the challenge you get a thing and then you rinse and repeat that's essentially like more or less the loop in that game and i think that the second you take away say the shrines I think you you've lost a lot of like the impetus for the reasons why you explore aspects of that world. So I think that in that sense they're going to do something very radically different and I actually think that because here's my theory. My theory is the first half of the game could be incredibly linear and very new and very do something very different and a, a bit like Majora's Mask versus Ocarina of Time. But then I think this, say the first half of the game is underground or something like the trailer was. And then the second half of the game, something plot wise happens a bit like Final Fantasy VI, perhaps. And the world opens up and all of a sudden the, the loops and things you enjoyed the most about Breath of the Wild fall back into line. And all of a sudden there are shrines and things to visit and new, um, new, it's a new world. So like okay. you get, you get the benefit of like, a, a strong story which i think is one thing breath of the wild was lacking and then you still get the benefit of uh, a wider world to explore which was obviously the best part of breath of the wild interesting yeah i like that idea of the final fantasy 6 model because you're right it is a it's more of a linear game and then it becomes an open world game like there's there is this very much this turning point that happens and it flips itself completely um i like that idea i I think that if they want to tell a better story, if they want to have it be more cohesive, they do have to tighten things a bit more, right? Make it a bit more linear. And I wonder if Nintendo wants to take that risk because I think they know and everyone knows the reason Breath of the Wild was so crazy successful was because it was the most open thing in video game history. Like it is that is the identity of why that game did well and so i think nintendo might be worried if they strip that away what are they like yeah how do they game um, it's quite a radical thing to do i get that yes yeah definitely um so i don't think they would do that i would like them i would like them to be able to tell a, a much more coherent and interesting story but it's really tricky to kind of understand how you would do that without making it more close to a generic open world game right yeah. you have a game like horizon which i know you really like and you know as much as i have my criticisms of that game they they pace out the story really well they they deliberately have you go to these specific points in at the specific moment in order to see this cutscene, which will reveal more which will then open up more of the map etc etc 
that from the uh, like a game design standpoint goes against some of the tenants of breath of the wild but it does still manage to have a pretty open space for you to explore alongside still having that linear narrative right and breath of the wild has some of this it's just you can do it in whatever order you want so it throws it off a little bit right it just it would it would require taking away the player choice of what order you do you want to do all the dungeons in and it would instead be you have to do dungeons in one two three four order, yeah right i think as cool as the world and horizon is there's very little impetus to see the top of every peak whereas you know that in breath of the wild there's more or less a shrine at least nearby to every peak or something to see at every peak so you I feel like I very much covered the entire map of Breath of the Wild a lot more evenly, radically different to something like Horizon where there's a lot of corridors and areas where a lot of story takes place and by and large there's corners of that world you'll barely even see and don't even have to see if you just want to mainline that game. Whereas if you want to see all the shrines in Breath of the Wild, which is a fairly fundamental part of the game more or less, obviously you don't have to do them all, but you feel like by the end of the game, if you have covered all 120, you have more or less not evenly spread throughout the map but evenly spread compared to a traditional more open world game like a horizon yeah that's the interesting thing it's like i never felt and in in general this is the case with most western style open world games i never really have an impetus or a desire to go and discover things right um it's one of the reasons xenoblade speaks to me because it rewards you for discovering things right like Mm-hmm. I talked about that moment at the end of Xenoblade 1 where I was like level 73 or something and I, I found this hidden cave and I jumped to like level 75 fi- by finding a discovered area. Um, and that's like a tangible reward for going out and exploring places. Um, and, it, and and these other games don't really give me that. Like maybe I'll find a cool weapon or something or maybe I'll get an upgrade point or whatever, but it's not mm. it's not the type of thing that gives me the desire to go out there and and find everything will Um, breath of the wild 2 have shrines oh boy okay so this is an interesting question right about the dungeon design let's maybe just talk about dungeons because i think this is a fundamental like controversial point with the original game because there are a lot of people out there who were not a fan of the dungeons who thought they are too simple they're too small they all look the same because they have that same aesthetic of the shrines which is you know this kind of neo-futuristic um like almost temple structure that has like humming blue lights like and everything sci-fi old temple i don't know yeah, yeah basically it's almost like future temples underground and stuff like yeah that. and and it it was a disappointment to a lot of people i think to find that okay the dungeons are kind of just bigger shrines and the way that they work is in keeping with breath of the wild in the sense that you can do all these different um what do you call them like terminals you go to the terminal points to scan yeah. your card essentially it's like going to credit card machines and like <laughs> scanning them and uh and you can do those in any order within the dungeon yeah. but i think it just made for a, an experience that wasn't wasn't super interesting on like a micro scale uh of, of what that game was trying to do uh and and that is i think part of the reason the other part is just the aesthetics of them and them not having a coherent theme to them or doing something different with them it's, so it's like they were just short and temper it's like the, they were designed on purpose so that they didn't take long and that you would spend more time back in the overworld than in these dungeons almost like it it felt like it felt like there was a reason to why they were like this yeah definitely there's 
I, I like the concept behind them, right? They are moving objects. You know, the the one that crawls around the mountain, the one that flies in the sky. They they exist within the space of the world, which I think is just a fundamentally amazing idea. Yeah. Um, it's. I think it's just that they kind of fall down in execution somewhat, right? Just when you get to the the meat and bones. What's what's your dream for dungeons, right? Like uh, forsaking what you think they're gonna do. What is your dream? Is your dream to have shrines again, or or is it to to like kind of get rid of them and focus a bit more on having eight dungeons? And each of those dungeons are more linear and kind of more in the traditional Zelda style. I think it's it's about marrying some of the more traditional Zelda dungeons, like Ocarina of Time, like Twilight Princess, but then having that feeling of awe and wonder where you get a new item that you've never seen before and use it in a very strange way. And I think a game like Skyward Sword does that incredibly well, where it's got a very unique set of weapons. Um, and, and an item like the, the spinner in Twilight Princess, where some of the other items in Twilight Princess were perhaps less innovative. You've still got your boomerang. You've still got other weapons that are more in line with traditional Zelda. But then you've got the spinner that is just completely different and almost turns like dungeons into like a pinball machine. So I think having traditional dungeons and traditional i mean longer a little tougher perhaps obviously you've got a final boss uh but then i think something with the innovation of some of the weapons you get in uh, a skyward sword so that sort of combination um i think would be pretty great i think talking of the kind of weapons the arsenal that you have obviously the first game you have everything out the gate within the first three hours let's say of the great plateau you have all the tools you'll use for the rest of the game and that's cool because you can then go anywhere Mm. but it also felt a little limiting or it feels like it takes some of the excitement out of the zelda experience in that you know you're not going to get anything that's going to fundamentally change your toolkit right you'll you'll get upgrades like Rivali's Gale or you'll get uh, Mifa's whatever that brings you back to life those yeah those those bonuses that will help you but the fundamental tool set always remains the same and that was great because all of those kind of physics based items worked in synchronicity with one another and there was always weird wonderful ways you could combine them and do strange things but it did leave something to be desired in terms of oh i wish i could go into a dungeon and get another thing that doesn't necessarily change the fundamentals of of the play but like adds a wrinkle to it that Mm. would make things a bit more interesting and and give you other opportunities to to do the things you've already been doing because the only other game i can think of zelda game where you're given access to all the weapons and they're still you still need specific weapons per dungeon and then you can also don't have to do those dungeons in a linear order is a link between worlds and i think okay yeah i don't see why you couldn't just mirror that idea on a vast 3d scale if the issue is as you say like with breath of the wild it was like you have these specific items and then each dungeon doesn't use items specifically you just kind of use the same items across the entire world you could say something like there is a there are multiple shops or something where you are able to pick up all the weapons and then they're almost like as if the the items are in the overworld and they almost act as keys to each dungeon so you need the weapon to get into the dungeon and that will mean that you will have the necessary weapon through the dungeon or something like it and but at the same time it's non-linear you can still do any dungeon in any order you like it's just about discovering 
these threads throughout the main throughout the the world to say all right that's where i get this weapon okay i've got this weapon right that must match up to this dungeon entrance that i've seen on my map that i marked let's go use it there so i think that would be an interesting way around the breath of the wild issue that allows you to introduce a bunch of interesting items and then those items could still be used in the overworld uh but it's not gated perhaps in such a strict metroidvania sense it's just you can perhaps access or reach something else later in the game yeah it's it'd be interesting to one of the things i think about is actually xenoblade chronicles x right because xenoblade chronicles x does a really interesting thing where the terrain that is built is very much they think about it vertically they think about how the player will get to an area and they will just be on foot for the most part and there will be large areas above them that they can't get to yet that are there but are inaccessible and so it still allows them to go throughout the entire space but then once you get the scale you're like oh now i can get up to this place by you know jumping a little higher with my scale and i can get to this further point and then like another 20 hours later your scale gets the fly anywhere upgrade and then that verticality really opens up and you can go all the way to the top of this just vast landscape and look over it from from you know this ridiculous height and i think that's a a really cool model where the player can kind of go anywhere but can't like they can go anywhere horizontally and so that entire space that landmass is available but there are still things that are slightly out of reach that require a bit more of an upgrade and i think that is maybe one way to do it obviously like it takes away the uh the true freedom of the original game but if you want to start implementing ways in which you know you can drip feed more interesting items that then expand things over time i'd say that's probably one of the best ways to do it like it's not perfect but it's a way to approach that situation um, Mm, mm. which i enjoyed and thought worked quite well and especially you know a lot of people from monolith are working on the zelda team at this point in time you know mainly on the tech side right and helping them with the open world and streaming things in and get some um, scales and zelda and breath of wild too well here's the thing right like (laughs) we can maybe talk about some of those ideas that they had shown at like gdc talks of like they had the idea for the motorcycle and then they ended up putting it in the game of the dlc um they had this idea of like aliens coming down and things like that and that's another question right what is happening with that castle is the castle going up or is the castle going down because in the case of the castle going up then we're just fucking leaving behind hyrule and we're going somewhere completely new um and the space will be different and therefore they can maybe do uh, even more interesting things. I think the worry may be that if the space stays the same, what do you do to it? Do you expand it like we hoped the DLC would do and like those mountains that you can kind of see in the background become a part of the landmass and you can then uh, travel and discover even further from where you've been? Um, what what are your hopes here, Bally? Would, my, my personal dream would be a brand new area, right? Just would just be you don't, this game doesn't take place in Hyrule. It takes place somewhere completely different and you have a brand new space to explore. That's my personal ideal. Um, but I understand that that's probably a little unfeasible considering development timeline and, and just uh, making another game. I think you, I think that it's feasible to do a new area. I just think if you're hoping for the scale of the first game, it's probably less likely. And I do right. think it would be far too controversial to retread the same world even if they do something to that world i think 
that would be a shortcut i just couldn't see nintendo going for in a way you know what i mean like i think well, it, it, it depends on like how much how much time has passed it doesn't seem like like link and zelda kind of look the same but again they're video game characters do we how do you age them in a way that like nintendo doesn't tend to do that type of thing right it's not like sony where nathan drake looks like he's pushing 40 and uncharted 4 versus yeah you're playing as an old kratos and yeah exactly reboot. yeah totally like nintendo just doesn't really do that well it's also part of the reason because they don't the characters are always in a different world in a different setting and they in another really castle yes in another castle yes very very good um yeah so so like how much time has passed which is to say would hyrule have had the time to build up infrastructure are there is there like is hyrule castle restored is there a, a, a bustling castle town is there you know a new city that has arisen like are some of these seaside towns kind of built out and and gentrified and stuff like this is has there been enough time difference between the games for that sort of change to occur and i personally don't think so it's probably yeah. like i would say like three years or something uh, as a as a maximum gap between them i think um, there's a good chance of it being a new world and i do think that very much like Majora's Mask Castle Town, there could be like a central, intense city, town, whatever you want to call it, uh, that a lot of the game focuses around. And then you have like branching out areas or something that are intrinsically very different. Um, and I don't know, would would they do like a reveal midway through the game at some point, story related, where they're like, you need to go back to Hyrule and do X and you're all right. And then there's like a real big plot emphasis on returning to that world. And yes, they'll change aspects of the world, but you'll be more, you'll be so excited of the plot reasons to be going back that as a player, you won't even mind that they've barely changed anything. <laughs> like, I, sure, I just, yes. I feel like there has to be really, really good reasons to reuse that stuff. And I'm not saying that's beyond Nintendo, but I do think it's a gamble potentially beyond them. But I could see a, a situation where you are in some other world and maybe like that scene we see with the castle going up or down is halfway through the game or i don't know it doesn't necessarily mean it's the start of the game um Mm. so i think there's really cool things they could do that i think yeah i'm always being convincing myself that they do need to evoke some breath of the wild stuff and one of those things if they do fundamentally change the systems could be um keeping aspects of that world the same that you revisit even if you start on some distant island it is one of my favorite things in video games where they pull the and we're going back there right like going to johto in pokemon gold and silver or and kanto in pokemon gold and silver top tier moment of video games uh going back to shadow moses island in metal gear solid 4 i didn't play it but watching that is just it's like fucking fan service it's like incredible fan service um and and i think that the the problem here is that they've already kind of set up that they're still in hyrule so it may not hit as hard because we know like there's a potential the game is just set in hyrule again right it's that that option could be unavailable to i mean us, but... th- that could be the start of the game and right, either yeah. the castle goes up or the something goes down and then the plot immediately goes to you link you need to go to this island to do x and the first time you're playing as link you are on the island and i mean if zelda is playable imagine if that happened in a story moment at the same time you come back to hyrule or something like that that would just be so cool and beyond what they've ever done with zelda before i think it'd be really 
cool like oh or, or what if the the way you traverse because it's a world you've seen before what if the way you traverse the world when you return is different so i'm not talking about like the motorbike or a horse or a lot. what about like flight or in some way airships right go final fantasy go go airships <laughs> um or what they called in skyward sword the uh the loft wings loft wings yeah or yeah. something like that yeah i i like idea of loft wings coming back um but let's address the zelda question right this is probably the biggest question is zelda playable in this game my my ideal would be that she is and as i said she yeah, becomes I think a both plot, of our both of our point. hopes and dream is like yes zelda is playable. yeah but I'm, I'm saying my ideal is that she's a plot point and it happens maybe 20 hours into the game like it's not at the start and then fans are playing through and they're like is she here or not and I, i'm sure the internet will spoil it but potentially they won't who knows um and then you're 20 hours in and it is that sort of Link dies 20 hours in and Zelda is playable, <laughs> basically. Maybe yeah. not dies, but is, is yeah. locked away, is imprisoned. Sure. Well, what if you're playing a plot as Link on this new island and something horrendous happens to him and then the entire game, Earthbound style, just cuts to Zelda in Hyrule and all of a sudden right. you're playing as Zelda and then the end of the game is Zelda saving Link in the new land. Right, yeah. Like, um, Well, this, here's the thing. We already have a setup, right? We have a setup because we've seen the trailer. And the trailer suggests shit happens in that tomb with dead Ganondorf coming back or whatever's going to happen with that, right? Does Link get locked away right at the start of the game? Is that what's happening there, right? Like, people are speculating about the blue light going into him and things like that. Does he get sealed away, Ganon gets released, and Zelda's the one who has to do the shit, right? She is then the playable character from the beginning. Because the other interesting thing is, let's think about this from a game design and narrative standpoint. The Link at the end of Breath of the Wild is a fucking badass, right? He has all his weaponry, he can... so many hearts and and all this shit. Usually in Metroid games, it's a stupid thing where Samus gets bonked on the head and whoops all her (laughs) power-ups fall out of her, right? And uh, Nintendo are not above doing that. But from this perspective, right... Think of Zelda as a character who needs to be built up, who needs to get her own tools and her own power set. And and she's not set up as a... She's set up as a very kind of uh, cool character, but I don't think they set her up as the adventurous princess like that to some degree she is explorative and stuff like that but link was always her bodyguard and they kind of they set her up as like oh no she fell on the ground and like the sheikah people are attacking her and link needs to save her like they do do a bit of damsel in distress stuff with her which i'm not a huge fan of but like i almost do it more so in breath of the wild in a way where in other zeldas on final bosses and things she does contribute a lot more like her magic skills and stuff definitely like twilight princess she's shooting a bow with you in wind waker she's shooting a bow like she's usually has a bow of light that's kind of zelda's zelda's item is that the kind of basis that we start with her of like she is more of a focus on bows directly than using swords and that's her core weapon set um that's my perspective of like if they're going to reset things and they want to start out with a new character who doesn't have any skills and has to build themselves up just playing a zelda from the start makes so much sense and when you take it from the context of what we've seen so far that's kind of where my my head is at it's also where my heart is at but i i feel like where my head is at can also be undermined by nintendo at any given moment because they just do whatever the hell they is like it, right so is it a bigger deal to start a zelda and then link becomes freed or something mid game and you play as link for for the second half or maybe you have the choice in the second half between the two or is it more of a big reveal if it is what i suggested where 
you start as Link and then Zelda is playable 15, 20 hours in. I think it's a bigger deal if Zelda is playable from the start, but the other challenge for the marketing is that they have to tell you that, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. Because they can't show you gameplay if Link... Like, if Link's not playable and Zelda's the playable character for the majority of the game, you know that straight away as soon as they show gameplay. So it's not it's not yeah, a reveal, I mean, right? God of War, there's a big thing in there that I won't spoil that wasn't revealed in any of the sure. marketing. I, that's, a, that's a weapon more so than a character. I get that. But is it beyond Nintendo to suggest that Zelda would be playable and then they don't do, use that in the marketing? Um, well, it depends, right? The, in this day and age, I think it's impossible to keep secrets like that. Like, this, to some degree, if it's later in the game, it's much easier because what you're showing the press early on and what you're showing fans early on is here's the start of the game, here's where it's going to be starting from. So if you wanted to if you wanted to have a reveal of Zelda is playable and make that a surprise for people, you then have to... It becomes like an E3 reveal, perhaps, rather than just an in-game reveal. Well, yeah, if you want to do it in the in the way of, like, Ellie is playable in Last of Us, because that was a thing they literally lied about before the game came out. Like, journalists asked them, will you play as Ellie? And Neil Druckmann was like, no, you'd never play as her in this game. And he lied, basically, because he wanted to preserve the secrecy of it. Uh, versus, you know, the thing that happens midway through God of War, which is something that is a cool reveal, and they didn't talk about it because they want it to just surprise players. If you're going to keep zelda until later in the game you obviously you you lie about it and you say she's not playable because then it's a surprise when you get to it versus if she is playable from the beginning you're right it has to be like a mario cap an odyssey style thing where there's a crazy trailer and that's the surprise is the is the marketing surprise right i was gonna say is there is what's the biggest mid-game reveal nintendo have done previously would you say man i don't know that nintendo do reveals <laughs> in the same in the same way i mean that... dragon and mario odyssey is pretty big sure yeah that's a pretty good one um but like that's just a moment like i said i don't think that fundamentally changes anything about the game right right i i struggle to see how unless zelda is brought down to being a, a playable moment as in like you play for her as a few hours or at say the very end of the game right I don't, you're right, I don't see how they could keep it sort of under lock and key. Yeah, um, I, I mean, it's definitely feasible uh, because people didn't know that Ellie was playable and people didn't know about the God of War thing. So, like, absolutely, if it's really, like, multiple deep hours into the game, then they can get away with it. It's um, if, if, you play for El- if you play for Zelda as long as you, as a proportion of the game, for as long as you play as Ellie in Last of Us 1, is that enough? that also suggests the nature of the game though right because if you play zelda for a limited amount of time that implies there are story beats you have to hit in order for her to become unplayable again right it's not the open space that it was in the first game where like story beats aren't going to change the main character or the playability of it because you can do whatever you want whenever you want right so we're in this theoretical perspective which i think now that i'm thinking about it more the way nintendo design their games the way they kind of think about things especially following up breath of the wild it makes more sense for me to zelda for zelda to be playable straight out the gate because if you do a late game thing it implies that the game is more linear because you have to get to the point where you play as zelda and then you have to get out of playing zelda right uh versus if you just start as her her entire quest is she's got to save link right it's just the inverse Mm. um which you know it's 
it's just inverting a trope it's not super interesting but it's the kind of it's the kind of milk toast like approach nintendo would take to like let's change the zelda formula right like it's not that bold even though yeah. in, in many ways for them it is yeah no i think i think that's possible um and i think <laughs> it is games like uncharted and god of war that have just make you yearn for just a really story driven kind of zelda and i think that's almost too much to ask for you see you say that and 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 yeah i don't i don't feel that way right like i i do wish that the voice acting was better i do wish that the writing was a bit tighter and i i I wish that there was a bit more coherency to the storytelling but ultimately for me and you know this has just been the case generally i will always if a game has a terrible story but it plays amazingly i will still enjoy that game if the game has an amazing story but plays garbage i will not enjoy that game as much yeah And, and that's the fundamental thing with video games for me is i can absolutely dismiss a bad story because breath of the wild is my favorite game of all time and i think it has a bad story right mm i i i when I say like a top tier story, I don't mean a top tier story. I don't think they're going to get anywhere near sort of Last of Us kind of levels. And I just think it'd be nice if it had a good story, not like right. yes. So like not. Uncharted I think Zelda levels. games have had good stories before. I think Skyward Sword is a good story. Like there's some fun characters in there. It's probably my favorite Zelda story mm. of all of them. Um, yeah, no, it's it's a very good story. I agree. Um, just that level with some pretty good voice acting and some great cutscenes, and to make a portion of the game even if it's not the whole game a bit more story driven i would just really appreciate that yeah for sure um so so we'll see um any other aspects uh that you have dreams about bally that you want to be in this game i think a new world is probably the most like uh, for my yeah my most important thing would be a new world but at some point to visit hyrule and obviously with the trailer it suggests at least a portion of the game is going to be in hyrule um so i'm pretty happy about that if that's what could happen but i am really confused as to what they're going to do for the game loop yes um for me it's definitely yeah that's the best thing about the game is just the explorable space i am i would like to see a bit more and i I, they went very far with this but like let's go even further with the interactions that systems have with one another like the chemical systems and the physics systems i want to see even more possibilities of those because one of my favorite things about the original game was the discovery of like if you have a fire rod on your back it keeps you warm and then if you just crouch near a giant block of ice it will slowly slowly melt like those type of gameplay discoveries are absolutely in my top tier of things i love about that game and so just adding even more things like that um would be incredible and you know maybe even adding aspects from previous zelda games that could you know remember in twilight princess where you're going around collecting bugs for agatha like it's a kind of a collection question it's not that interesting but what if they kind of fold in a bit of animal crossing into this game and and you are hunting bugs and there's kind of ways to approach them like one of my favorite quests in the original was trying sorry trying to get onto the back of a deer and how you would approach it and and get and riding it up to that platform to get the shrine quest completed yeah like, I, uh, things like that you know? i really like the sort of collectible aspect of breath of the wild where you're like oh i need i need the diamond to make this to do craft i'd like to increase the crafting and i do think like animal skins certain bugs potentially certain fish could be incorporated into that crafting 
network and just kind right. of expand layering on that. just a bit more of a survival element on top of it even right. more so because like the stories we talk about about like how you were going up that ice mountain and like you were like scrambling for supplies and shit like that like i don't want it to get overbearing because i think survival games can get that way of like oh i have a fucking hunger meter please do not add a hunger meter <laughs> to zelda i that <laughs> would be a bad call um but like there are definitely elements of like camouflage and stuff like that that i do enjoy that i think would be added benefits to systems they already have more surprising large creatures large enemies like yeah dragons appearing like i think general enemy variety was another thing that i would like to be better because most of the time it was like bokoblin and lizalfos and then like different colored variants of them that were stronger um that that would definitely be a big improvement for me is like let's have bigger like encounterable enemies but also just the general low-level guys let's have a few more different types out there so that you have more to fight against i mean the lionel fights are great but imagine if each lionel was a different creature how incredible that would be like that would just be insane and it's like oh you don't want to fight that serpent up in the frost area it's horrendous so like that sort of thing and each one you fight in a slightly different way and that kind of ties into dungeons with just more unique boss fights because like the ganon guys were like fine and they did have some interesting elements to them but again similar to the dungeons they all kind of looked the same they had a similar design to them um and that all tied into the narrative as well but as you said like what if one was this giant snake and one was this kind Mm. of like scorpion and, and things like that that we've had before in the past but they can add wrinkles to them and stuff like that um would be very cool when's it gonna when are we gonna play this game next year uh, i'm there's no way it's coming out this november year. Um, 21 yeah i feel like they could put it out in in spring but i think things have probably been shaken up to the point where it will be a holiday title for next year um and i think we will probably see when will we see more about this game because i think that e3 this year was their planned idea um, and obviously they'll do a presentation of some sort around that time even though e3 is cancelled yeah. i i do hope we get a bit of reveal about what that game is like i hope so as well but if it's november 21 i I, it wouldn't surprise me if we don't see anything of it at e3 this year and you'll probably see gameplay 321 yeah um Um, which is a shame but i want to see more of this game um unless they want to do another trailer that is potentially story related that is complete like completely juxtaposed and different to the first one and everyone goes whoa and everyone just has another year to stew over plot things and this kind of thing but i don't yeah. know yeah definitely cool uh well i think that's uh, gonna wrap us up for uh breath of the wild 2 hopes and dreams um it'll be a good game i'll love it look no matter what it is it's a zelda game i'm gonna be excited for it and i'm gonna play it so uh so that's good times ahead um cool uh bali we uh want to remind some folks uh that they can go over to our survey that we have going on right now a lot of people have done it thank you for everyone who has done it so far there's some very helpful things being said there um but if you have not done the survey yet it will be linked in the description for the podcast um it will take you five six minutes um and uh it's just really really helpful for us to kind of figure out the direction of the show in the future and things we might want to change up and and things like that so if you could just head over to the description either on youtube or on the podcast service you're using or wherever it will be linked there directly and you can do it on your phone you can do it on a browser wherever it's it's very easy and um takes about five to six uh, minutes yeah yeah so if you just uh give us a bit of your time that would be very very appreciated and uh probably roll that for another couple of weeks or so um and then we'll uh we'll, we'll close it off but um that would be very very good um 
obviously we would like to uh, thank our patrons we've had some new patrons recently which is fantastic um quite a few new people who have joined which is awesome to see um and we have some new people to thank as well bally as part of our our uh, patrons here yes we have two new ten dollar tier patrons a huge thank you to both jackpot and thomas for your ten dollar tier support and thank you to our our other ten dollar tier patrons there of course atari alex and my fiance caroline thank you very much to all four of you and thank you very much to all of our patrons um it's hugely appreciated uh the support you you give us especially during this time uh we yeah. just put out an episode of tnl ranks last week uh, yeah. and we were talking about our favorite rpg battle systems so that was, that was a good good topic yeah it was fun um and uh i think you know it's it's one of those where we're like hey let's do this specifically so then we can do more talk about different combat systems in the future um it's because uh, there's lots of avenues through video games that we can kind of dig into which is cool um so check that out if you're interested in rpgs and our thoughts on our favorite battle systems and some cool picks in there and uh, and yeah check out the patreon you can go to patreon.com slash this nintendo life if you are interested in checking out a bunch of episodes we do bonus episodes every month um so have a look and if it's to your liking give us uh give us a listen um Cool. We are also found all over the internet in lots of different places. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Spotify, on TuneIn, um, and you can uh, you know find us on all the podcasting apps out there. Just search for this Nintendo Life. Subscribe to us. Pop us a review on Apple Podcasts if you can. That would be very nice as well. Um, and uh, and and tell people about the show if you enjoy the show. Um, that would be very much appreciated uh we can be found in our various places on the internet where we talk on the internet uh that is twitter mainly and uh we're on twitter with our podcast account which is at tnl podcast you can follow there for updates links to the discord um email address all those types of things and uh, you can find me at lord nbz uh and uh yeah that's i'm talking stuff a lot of the time i don't know i'm just i posted a bunch of videos of me playing as tifa in final fantasy i'm always posting animal crossing stuff i don't know what else i've been posting to be honest just uh you've been making general. quizzes i've been making quizzes yeah that's been a fun thing um bali where can people find you uh you can find me on twitter at baliman 91 that's b-a-l-l-y-m-a-n-9-1 um i've well, i don't know what i've been tweeting about i've been watching things on disney plus like the yes, imagineering yeah. story which is incredible and i'd highly recommend uh what else did i watch i can't remember now but yeah uh Ma- the mandalorian th- uh, behind the scenes thing's coming out soon isn't it yeah like, they did a trailer for that so and it's coming may 4th star wars day in... of course it's may 4th they would obviously yep. they'd do that in the u.s and in the uk shockingly the uk wow. is actually getting a disney plus exclusive show at the same time as the u.s according to twitter uh i'll believe it when i see it earth-shaking achievements here by disney truly magnificent <laughs> uh great uh well that's going to close out the show um uh final call for emails because we do need some more bally where can they send them please send them to this nintendo life at gmail.com that is this nintendo life at gmail.com fantastic please send those in otherwise next show we're going to be sitting here making up questions for ourselves so uh, please do that and uh yeah we'll see you in a couple of weeks time until then stay safe uh, stay sane and uh, we'll see you soon bye-bye folks
The musical interludes used on today's show were the snow track from the Super Mario 3D World tile set in Super Mario Maker 2, copyright Nintendo 2019, and Glimmer from the Spyro Reignited Trilogy, copyright Activision 2018. Mario Maker 2, a game that Nintendo has done fucking dirty, in my mind. Um, I'm so glad they finally added worlds to, like, the... (coughs) God. (laughs) (laughs) Restart this shit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, Bally. That's what I get for my snark. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Okay. I could just make my point again. Yeah, yeah, go. Go for it. I'm so glad they finally added worlds to this game. They finally added new game modes. You know, they got they got Mario Maker. Oh, God, I fucked up again. Jeez. What am I <laughs> well, am I trying to say what are they called? They're called game worlds. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, they added World Maker, basically. That's not what I, you know what I want to say. Super worlds. No, not, not too, I want to say they finally added... My joke was they finally... <laughs> It's not that funny. I have to explain. <laughs> I love the, you can't even think of the way to do the joke. It's good. Between say 3D World, Super Mario World. Oh right, yes. What okay. do you call those? Style, style, Styles. game style. Yes. Gonna, okay, ready? Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. Here I'm we sorry. go. I'm excited for this joke now. Let's do it. Let's do the joke. 